What's going on guys? It's your boy Scrubby here back again with another video. Hope you guys are having a great day. I know I am. And welcome back to day four of the 12 days of Scrubs. Hope you guys are all having a festive, joyous, fantastic holiday season. If you are, go ahead and smash that like button or no joke, no scam. Rudolph himself will burst through the window right now and start yelling at you in a language you don't understand. Most likely Norwegian, because you know, reindeer. Anyways, today I've got a good set of stories for you guys I think you're going to really enjoy it's like all the crazy school stories from the year this one always does well whenever I do it so uh yeah hopefully you guys enjoy it Merry Christmas and let's go oh and one more thing if you're feeling festive you can cop the Karen Christmas sweater but you know no pressure it's just in the description all right so like I said today's story time is uh, a little bit of a classic situation where someone got a little bit too big uh, for their britches on one of the holiest days in school which is uh dodgeball day and ended up getting destroyed as a result. I would just overall recommend if it is dodgeball day laying a little bit low drawing attention to yourself unnecessarily just doesn't seem that worth it in any like sport where people are going to be hurling things at your face. But hey I guess some people just have a different idea and it started even before they were like out in the gym. Locker rooms are some of the worst places that have ever existed you know I'm very thankful I haven't had to be in one in a very long time because they're just smell bad people are going crazy because like it's just a, a room full of dudes and very little adult supervision they're just punching each other in the head dude people are hurling deodorant over the lockers like I, at least in my locker room dude people used to take the milk cartons full and just hurl them and whoever they popped on it was just bad luck like it just sucked and there was a spoiled kid in particular who was really annoying his dad was known for like owning a couple car lots in town and he was always talking about how he was the best athlete in PE because he was D1 bound and there's nothing wrong with self-confidence I think that's natural and normal but this dude would like tear everyone down instead of just being confident in himself you know he'd be like yo I'm D1 bound and you're never gonna get a scholarship because you wear glasses like it's like all right you can say you're D1 bound without insulting them you know obviously this didn't make him too popular with everyone because uh you know people don't like to be told that like they are stupid when you are really smart you can just say you're smart without calling someone stupid and people wanted to take him down a peg or two because it was very apparent to everyone that his head was the size of a very very large planet so when they went into the gym and saw that it was dodgeball that they were going to be playing he became target number one basically everybody was like let's go and it wasn't a uh, coach that had kind of had the updated rule book given to him it was an older guy who had gotten out the old like kickballs to use as dodgeballs not the foam ones and usually those are kind of banned for use in PE because they're known for being a little too heavy and large and like messing up people's faces and nose and whatnot but the coach that they had in this PE was from a bygone time and like didn't really care about the fact that they weren't supposed to use them. He just thought that like whatever dodgeball was better with the kickballs instead. He told everyone that they were going to be playing with these because the aerodynamics were better. That was the quote, you know, uh, I'm sure theoretically a, a kickball moves through the air better than the little foam balls. But regardless, he said that if they were worried about getting hurt, then they should all just agree to throw softer. That way no one would get hurt. And obviously no one's going to be the person to step up and be like hey guys let's throw softer and let's also agree that you know no one's going to be throwing softer if there's a bunch of kickballs and you can throw it at someone's face you're like going to if you're in a PE class if you're not going to people are going to be trying to do it to you you know it's just the reality of it regardless everyone breaks into teams and it just so happens that one of the people that's on the person who sent this to me team is the quarterback for the school and uh, even if you're not a football fan quarterbacks the person who throws the ball so they tend to like be required to have a pretty solid arm on them 
and he immediately is telling everyone that, like, I'm gonna nail the spoiled kid in the face, just watch. And he's not saying it quietly. He says it so loudly that the spoiled kid he's talking about overhears him, and he starts talking trash back, being like, there's no way you're gonna be able to knock me out because you have the arm of my grandma, you know? And listen, maybe it's me personally. My, uh, Oma had an arm, dude. She could throw a baseball through, like, a, a, a door, dude. Either way, the guy, the quarterback, responded and was like, oh, you think I have the arm of your grandma, huh? Well, I guess we're gonna see how hard it's gonna hit you in the face. And he's like, yeah, there's no way you're gonna be able to hit me, bro. And I'm just gonna say it's not the best way to, like, make yourself not a target by talking more trash. Because regardless, the game started and there's, like, the charge of people towards the middle of the gymnasium. The gladiators just going to get smacked in the face by a couple dodgeballs. Everyone's throwing things everywhere. And the quarterback and the spoiled kids are just kind of like, or the spoiled kid, excuse me, are just kind of, like, sitting in the back staring off, waiting for a little bit of the game to develop, I guess. That sounds super cringe because it's just dodgeball, but they're just like letting the chaos go over. And a ball ends up rolling right up to the quarterback's feet. And immediately he decides that he's gonna like target the spoiled kid because he picks it up. So he starts running towards the middle of the gym to kind of get a little bit closer. And the spoiled kid is standing there like playing chicken with him and he throws the ball. And by the grace of Grayskull himself, the ball does not manage to smack this dude in the face. But what it does is it zips past him. And I don't know if it was like feeling the air on the ball zipping past his face, hearing it go by. Whatever it is, he suddenly realizes it's not a good idea to let himself get hit in the face by this dude, so he starts literally running. That's right, literally sprinting away as the quarterback is grabbing another ball. You know, this guy who's going to be an insane D1 athlete was apparently so afraid of dodgeball that he's running around. And it's just not a good look for him. And when I say running, there's like nowhere to really run. You're just in the gym. So he's like running and trying to hide behind people on his team. And then, you know, they're not very cool with it. And at that point, the quarterback starts taunting him a little bit, as you do. He has another ball and he's like, oh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And every time somebody would move because they didn't want to be the person person to get hit. He would like have to run and so he would be like, oh, here it comes and just kind of watch him freak out as he was running from cover to cover. And listen, it's just dodgeball. Like if you're playing dodgeball, you're just gonna get hit with a dodgeball. There's nothing wrong with that. In my mind, you're making it even worse for yourself by like running and trying to use other people as cover because if you just got hit with the ball, it would be over. And you know, like I said, he had kind of gotten into arguments with basically everyone in that class. So everyone had wanted to see this dude get wrecked during dodgeball. So most of the other team kind of stopped playing and was just kind of watching this go down and obviously that meant like his team could also just watch it go down too. And like I said, it didn't help that he was trying to use them as cover. Like this guy's about to hurl a dodgeball at him and he's like, hey, let me hide behind you. Yeah, probably not, dude. If you've been talking trash to me relentlessly, I'm not taking the hit for you. And the coach during all this is supposed to be able to rein this in when things get out of control. But like I said, he's an old man. So he's literally like reading his newspaper, not paying attention. There's no way he couldn't have heard what was going down like obviously he had to have heard at least a little bit of what was going down but I think he just wanted plausible deniability if someone got hurt the principal's like what happened hey man I don't know I was reading my newspaper he was just acting like nothing's going on so the spoiled kid is still just kind of running around the gym and eventually he runs out of people to hide behind and he's just kind of left standing there in the middle of the gym with nowhere to go and the quarterback still hadn't crossed the halfway line like he wasn't literally chasing him around the gym you know he was still playing by the rules of the game and he's like 
listen, I've got you now. Like, I'm going to throw it at you. And the spoiled kid still in this moment, even after proving he's at least a little bit afraid by sprinting away from this dude as fast as humanly possible, is like, oh, go ahead and throw it. I know you have a weak arm. You won't even be able to hurt me anyways. And the quarterback is listening to this, even though he has nowhere to hide. And he gives him a chance to take it back. He goes, look, I won't throw this ball at you if you just admit that you're lame for running and that I'm a better athlete than you. And the spoiled kid's like, no, I'm never going to say that. Da, 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 da. And he keeps running his mouth. So he just let the ball fly as hard as he could, as you should. It's dodgeball at the end of the day. And you gave him a chance. You know, you were like, look, I won't hit you in the face if you just admit that you were wrong. If, if at that point he decides to keep running his mouth, you throw the dodgeball at him and it smacks him in the cheek. And this guy had to have been to an acting school. He had to have been hamming it up at least a little bit. Because when this ball hits his face, he like launches himself up into the air, dolphin dive style backwards. And truthfully, even the person who sent this to me is like, I don't think he threw it that hard. I think a little bit of him was like trying to ham it up and make it look bad so people would feel bad for him. But he, you know, like flies backward as the dodgeball hits him in the face. And everybody, as soon as it hits its face, starts being like, oh, as you do naturally. And he hits the ground and just starts going like ah, ah ah and it's just very fake and no one's reacting right so he starts doing it like even louder and the coach at that point finally puts down his newspaper that's enough to get him to actually pay attention to what's going on someone just uh, apparently screaming in pain and he looks over and sees what happened he goes hey what happened and they're like we were playing dodgeball and he got hit in the face and he goes hey and he says the spoiled kid's name walk it off which you know it's just like just such a PE coach thing to do bro and at that point everybody's just kind of watching it no one's laughing no one's really doing anything and the quarterback who had just smacked him in the face went over to help him out like he doesn't want to do him that dirty but when he gets over there he just naturally just goes ooh a little bit because he realizes that the ball had left like a fat imprint on this dude's cheek a pretty big bruise where it had smacked into his face and so he's like listen man I'm really really sorry and he goes to help him up and he does help him up at least a little bit and the spoiled kid is trying his best to keep it cool but it's like everyone can tell he's about to cry and you know he's oh I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and he starts trying trying to walk it off and he gets like one or two steps before tears start going down his face and listen dude I'm not gonna say I wouldn't cry in this situation you just get smacked in the face by a dodgeball that hard when you in your mind have been like the man and you're super confident not only does it hurt to get smacked in the face but your confidence gets shattered too hey you might tear up a little bit and no one really wanted to like be mean to the dude so they left him alone for a little bit because they figured that that had kind of taken care of his ego it shouldn't be a problem now and so they were all just kind of going about playing dodgeball because he had taken himself out of the game to go just sit and watch and probably spending the rest of his class rethinking his life all over you know thought he would have been cool now maybe uh, learn to act a little bit differently that's what they were hoping for and like I said nobody was giving him crap there was no reason for him to get even angrier but uh we'll see everyone goes back into the locker room and was like well that was crazy dude he got smacked in the face and the spoiled kid still really hasn't said much you know he's just kind of keeping to himself but finally he gets up and everyone's kind of watching him and he walks over to where the quarterback's locker is and he slams it closed and the quarterback stands up and he's got a good like foot and a half on the spoiled kid and the spoiled kid for some reason sees this and is like after how hard you just hit me in the face like we're gonna fight we gotta throw hands man I just can't let you do that to me and the quarterback is trying to stay calm keep in mind he helped him up he apologized he's like look I understand you're mad I'm not gonna get kicked off the football team so that you can get beat up he's like I'm gonna beat you up I don't want to do it I said I'm sorry 
for throwing the ball. We're good. I really don't want to fight you. Like, listen, we can just be chill. We can put it behind us. I'm not getting kicked off the team for you. It's not worth it to me. Throwing the dodgeball wasn't worth it. So if you're going to punch me, then I guess just go ahead and punch me. But, you know, like, I, I don't want to fight you. And the spoiled kid is almost confused by the reply, almost like he expected him to be like, all right, let's throw down. You know, everyone's just willing to put everything on the line no matter what. And he's like, well, look what you did to my face, man. And uh, my response to that is, dude, if you're like reasoning to fight this dude is that he really messed up your face with a dodgeball. Why would you then want to fight him? Like if him throwing a, a, a toy at your face could mess you up, what do you think his fist is going to do, dude? Anyways, after at least looking tough and looking like he was going to stand up for himself, he looks at the quarterback and he's like, you're lucky I'm going to let it slide this time, you know? Usually I would go ahead and have to take care of this, but because you're being so cool about it, I'll let it slide. And in reality, he probably just thought about it for a second and realized, like, if I actually try to fight this dude, I'm going to end up in the locker, you know? And like I said, it's hard to stay mad at somebody when they're like, I really don't want to fight you, man. Like, what, you're just going to punch him in the face when they just told you, like, I really don't want to have to do this? So the spoiled kid ends up walking away, and everyone's still watching, but they're more cringing than they are intimidated. Like, he thinks that everyone avoiding eye contact and being quiet is because they're, like, afraid of what he just did, but in reality, what's going on is everyone's kind of like, oh, wow, that was uncomfortable and just doesn't want to make eye contact at all. So whatever, they kind of go about their business. The bell rings and they walk into the normal hallway with the rest of the students that didn't have PE that hour. And right off the bat, somebody is like, bro, what happened to your face? And obviously someone screaming, bro, what happened to your face after everything that had just went down started getting people laughing. And that's when the spoiled kid got embarrassed and he started yelling at them back. Stop laughing. You know, it's no big deal that I got hit in the face in dodgeball. Like at least I had the courage to get hit in the face. And everyone started being like, no, you didn't, dude. You were running. And as soon as they started talking back, he literally grabbed his backpack and started running to the other class, like full on sprinting in the hall vibes. And honestly, after that, no one really gave him much more crap for it. It, like nobody mentioned it anymore they thought that it was enough for him to get like laid out by a dodgeball and then have to go through that you know nobody really like wanted to give him a bunch of crap for it thankfully because they definitely could have regardless the one thing that surprised me is you think this would have at least changed the entitlement a little bit like made him maybe think uh, twice before mentioning who his dad is or that he has a lot of money or maybe made him realize that like his athletic ability could always improve and there's no reason to be dunking on other people's athletic ability when you don't really have any you know? But, uh, yeah, no, he still acts insanely entitled. Nothing's really changed in that regard, but the coach did get a talking to from the principal about how he can't let them play dodgeball like that anymore. So he at least told his parents, you know, because they definitely are the ones that went in and complained about that. Regardless, overall, I just recommend not talking trash if you can't back it up in, uh, in sports. Hey, I'm not an Olympian, okay? I'm not beating anyone in any athletic competition. Don't get it twisted. I'm just saying it's normal to not be an Olympian-level athlete. Like, that's alright, dude. Not a lot of Americans Americans are in shape, but you got to be aware of the fact that you're not in shape and be a little bit more self-aware and go like, hey, this dude that's uh, literally got a, a position for throwing things very hard and far is probably going to be able to smack me in the face with a dodgeball a little bit harder than I could to him. Nothing wrong with that, man. You could have avoided getting smacked in the face. Today, I have a story time from way back in the day when I was in elementary school. All right. It has to do with this dude that I thought was uh, a little bit out there. Pretty cringe. It's more entertaining than anything. 
anything. I'm sure dude grew up to be relatively normal, but I just thought this story was entertaining because uh, he really thought he was invisible and started doing a bunch of stupid stuff in our class, just committed maximum cringe. And I figured it would be a story time you guys would enjoy. So uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get right into it. All right, so I think everybody knows that when you're in elementary school, you tend to just kind of get to know everyone in your class. You're in the same room with them for like six hours a day. Your teacher's always making you guys like, all right, we're gonna play teamwork with the class you know? And there was one guy in particular that everybody in the class, they didn't dislike him, it just wasn't super awesome to play games with him or be in a group with him for anything, because he was insanely bossy and just thought he was the smartest person to ever exist, you know? One of those people where, like, if you're talking to them about anything, they're just always correcting you. He would always change the rules of whatever game you were playing. If you were working in a group with him, he would put the wrong answers down because he was so confident he was right. And even in elementary school, every Everyone was like, bruh, working with this dude just kinda sucks. And like I said, no one was mean to him. It wasn't like people would give him any issues. He would just start fights all the time because he was always insulting people's intelligence. He'd be like, you guys are morons, you know? And overall, people just started kind of avoiding him because he was just not that pleasant to be around at the time. One day, though, I was out on the playground going up to, like, the monkey bar area. And we were in fourth grade at the time, so the only people that were older than us in the school were the fifth graders, obviously obviously. And as I'm walking up to the monkey bars, I hear a conversation between this dude and one of the older kids, a fifth grader. Uh, and I'm gonna name the really cringy kid Jerry, just because his personality kind of reminded me of, like, Jerry from Rick and Morty. Not to be cringe and do a Rick and Morty reference, but just a whiny person that thinks they're way smarter than they are, that type of vibe. And I hear the fifth grader telling Jerry that, like, no, this is a quality and visibility potion, it'll turn you invisible, it's just $20. And I hear Jerry being like, like, all right, dude, last time your potion worked, so I'm gonna buy this one. And obviously that piques my interest a little bit, so I look over and I see this fifth grader holding a, like, mini water bottle that had the label filled off or peeled off, sorry, not filled off. And it's filled with, like, a red Kool-Aid fruit punch looking thing. And he is telling Jerry that if he drinks it, he will turn invisible. And obviously, I don't have to point this out to a lot of, uh, individuals watching this, hopefully. Even fourth grade me could pick up on how stupid this was. It's not gonna turn you invisible. And $20 to a fourth grader is quite a chunk of change, you know? It's still a solid chunk of change. But at the time, $20 is basically a billion dollars. You're like, hey man, that's a video game. That's a Nerf gun. Are you kidding me? There's so many things I could buy with $20. So I decide to be at least what I think was nice to Jerry, and I say, hey Jerry, don't buy that, it's not gonna turn you invisible. And I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck, I wasn't trying to put myself where I didn't belong, but I just really didn't want to see this dude get ripped off by this 5th grader and spend $20 to drink some fruit punch. That wasn't gonna turn him invisible. And you would think maybe he would either say, oh, I know I'm not gonna buy it, or like, oh, thanks, man, you really think so? Something along those lines. You can't really be mad if someone's trying to prevent you from being scammed. But Jerry was very, very upset that I had mentioned that. And he starts going off to me that obviously I don't know anything about magic, and he's bought potions from this dude before, and they've worked, so I just need to shut up and mind my business. And I'm kind of taken aback because I'm, like, confused as to how he's bought a magic potion from this fifth grade 
operator that's worked before. Maybe in Delusionville, but like, there's no way it actually did. And on top of that, man, like, mind my business, okay, fine, I will mind my business and you can waste your money. And so I decide to just be like, alright dude, fine, do whatever you want, because he's gonna yell at me and be a whiny little baby about it. So I just say, okay dude, but don't be uh, surprised if this invisibility potion doesn't work, there's no way it's actually magic. And he says something again about how I'm an idiot, and at that point, I just decide to go to the monkey bars and, uh, mind my business as requested by Mr. Jerry. And as I'm going on the monkey bars, I overhear them, and the fifth grader's like, what was that guy's problem? And, you know, Jerry responds, I don't know, but here's your money. And, uh, I didn't see the transaction, but sure enough, next time I saw Jerry, he has this little bottle of Kool-Aid fruit punch and is just sipping on it, clearly with a smile on his face, thinking that he's about to turn invisible, probably have the craziest prank day in United States history, going down in the history books next to William Howard Taft getting stuck in the bathtub. Regardless, recess ends, and we all start going back into class, and uh, even though he's drinking the potion, I can still see Jerry. I don't know if it's just because uh, I'm so smart that I can see through invisibility potions, or maybe, maybe, smarter explanation, the invisibility potion didn't work. Either way, it becomes obvious that Jerry is pretty confident that he's invisible because the way he's walking back into class, the way he's doing things, is the way you would move if you're trying to be sneaky. I don't know if that makes any sense, but he's kind of like crouched down at his knees, pressed up against the wall, looking like James Bond trying to sneak around a school for some reason. And everyone's just kind of looking at him because it's a little bit weird. And somebody asks like, Jerry, what are you doing? And you would think at that point, it might click that he's not invisible. If you're invisible, people wouldn't be looking at you doing something weird and asking you why you're doing something weird. They wouldn't know you're there. But Jerry doesn't answer the question. He just goes silent and stops and just kind of like freezes. And the person who asked him the question didn't really care enough to ask anymore, so they just kept walking. But somehow in Jerry's mind, that confirmed that he was invisible. Because as soon as he stopped moving, the person kept walking. So he's starting to get confident that this magic potion worked. And I don't know how you're dumb enough to believe that a magic potion turns you invisible, alright? Unless there's like a bunch of people messing with you. I've seen that dude on the, the Netflix magic show, Magic for Humans. And he convinced some people they were invisible, but he had 50 people in on it. He had like taken pictures of them to make them look invisible. Like, the exact same place they would take a picture. He had taken one earlier and it was empty, so he would show them that. Like, you know, he had 50 people in on convincing these people they're invisible. Not for Jerry, man. You just apparently have to literally drink the Kool-Aid. Next thing you know, you're, like, trying to be invisible in the middle of a class. And hypothetically, bro, let's say for one second we're living in the world of Harry Potter. We're all pulling up to Hogwarts next year. Invisib invisibility potions are a thing. Indivisibility potion? I don't know what I was going for there. Invisibility potions are a thing. Why would you want to use it at school? Like, if I had a magic potion that was gonna turn me invisible, hypothetically, I wouldn't be wasting that in class. Are you kidding me, dude? I'd be like, hey, I'm about to walk into this bank vault, walk out with a hefty chunk of change. Just kidding, FBI. You know, I just feel like there's much, much better things to use magic powers on than just sitting and still learning that information. Regardless, we get into class and Jerry is pretty confident he's still invisible and he's sitting in his chair with this like devious look on his face and I'm not gonna lie I'm paying attention because I'm aware of the fact that he now thinks he's invisible I don't think anybody else had really caught on to it yet and our teacher she was an okay teacher she wasn't somebody that the class necessarily loved but we also didn't hate her but you know we didn't love her to the point where if somebody messed with her we were gonna like snitch on a student 
And at this point, Jerry had drank all the potions, so he had the little water bottle. And so our teacher had turned around to start writing something on the board, and Jerry threw it at her, and it hit her on the back. And when it hit her, a couple kids had started laughing, including Jerry, so I'm sure the teacher wasn't able to really figure out where it had come from. Because, like, if just one kid laughs, it's pretty easy. If a bunch of people laugh, anyone could have thrown it. But she turns around, obviously not too thrilled with it, and kind of starts to yell at us. Class, do you really think it's appropriate to be throwing things? at the teacher? Do you think that's appropriate? I thought that this was a class with old kids that were big kids. Big kids don't throw things at the teacher. And obviously everyone's kind of like rolling their eyes because whatever, but everyone's still kind of laughing a little bit. But this makes Jerry think that he's still invisible because now not only has he like gotten away with someone asking him a question, but he just threw a water bottle at the teacher. She can't figure out, you know, who threw it. So his confidence starts getting up a little bit. He starts thinking that he can basically get away with anything because no one can see him. And our teacher finishes her little rant. Now, I'm gonna go back to teaching, but I better not hear or see any further inappropriate behavior. Do you guys understand? She waits for us to go like, yes, good. And she turns back and like keeps writing on the board, you know. And as I said, nobody really, really loved Jerry. Like, no one hated him either. But there was one dude in particular that he had had some issues with. I guess you could consider them enemies. It was more one-sided. Jerry didn't really like this dude. The guy didn't really care that much about Jerry. But I guess in his infinite wisdom, Jerry decides that while he's invisible, he might as well attack his enemy with the element of surprise on his side. There is uh, basically no better way to surprise people than being invisible I guess. Imagine you're just like walking down the street and a ghost starts beating you up. Yeah that'd be pretty terrifying. What are you supposed to do? Start swinging on something you can't see? So Jerry gets up and our teacher's in her own little world writing on the board so she doesn't see it and on top of it Jerry's kind of like moving slowly thinking that if we can hear him you know but we just can't see him. So he's trying to like tiptoe make it as quiet as possible and he starts going up behind the guy that he kind of has had some issues with and I'm gonna name this dude Tony just because I don't know, I feel like it. So Jerry is sneaking up on Tony, and Tony is has his back to Jerry, right? So like he can't really see him coming. And no one at Tony's table is giving him a heads up because it's just Jerry kind of walking over to them. No one knows what he's doing, but no one really cares either. And Jerry gets right up behind Tony. And at this point, I hadn't really like seen a lot of fights in our class it had happened before but for the most part no one's really dumb enough to start a fight in the middle of a class because the teacher is right there everyone is right there to see what happens but because Jerry thinks he's invisible it's the perfect crime so he reaches back his arm for what seems to be a slap and this isn't one of those slaps where he's just gonna gently tap him you know not even a half reach back Jerry reaches his arm back far enough that you might as well have thought he was about to swing a golf club he's getting some momentum on this. His elbow's about to flail down with the wrath of at least 27 meteors, possibly giving Tony a concussion. Who really knows? I don't know anything about what it takes to get a concussion. Probably not. Could you imagine a fourth grader being able to slap hard enough to give people a concussion, dude? He's just gonna end up in one of those, like, Russian slap contests where a guy the size of a bear just knocks somebody out with a slap. Anyways, Jerry has his arm reached back, and sure enough, in his confidence with his invisibility, just goes ahead and 
lets it fly and smacks Tony in the back of the head. And it's a loud slap, just an absolute smack. And obviously, as soon as the smack rings out, our teacher turns around and says, what's that? And she can see Jerry with his arm now across his head and Tony holding the back of his head with his head down on the desk, kind of reeling from the fact that someone just slapped him in the back of the head insanely hard out of nowhere. And our teacher goes, Jerry, did you just slap Tony? And Jerry stays absolutely still and says nothing and just has this look on his face with a smirk like, haha, they can't see me. But he forgets the fact that Tony's probably not going to be okay with getting slapped. And this is when I think he realizes that he's not invisible because Tony gets up, turns around, and shoves Jerry. And usually it's not like a hard enough shove to knock somebody down, but Jerry thinks he's invisible, so he's not prepared for it at all. He thought he was going to slap this dude. Absolutely nothing was going to happen as a result. He was just going to go back to his chair all invisible and Jerry goes like flying with the shove because he's not ready for it and he ends up falling into someone else's desk and he yells out something like how did you see me and obviously everyone in class is confused what he's asking by that because like what do you mean how can we see you so Tony says I saw you when I turned around after you slapped me in the head and the teacher yells out again Jerry what are you doing and Jerry starts to just stammer like uh, 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 uh. you're not supposed to be able to see me like I don't understand I I I'm supposed to be invisible and the teacher is just being honest with him and asks him well how would you be invisible like that literally makes no sense that's not something that you can do and after Tony had shoved him I guess he had gotten his anger out I don't know he didn't feel like hitting him anymore or something because he's not really chasing after Jerry to start smacking him he probably realized that Jerry was about to get in enough trouble because he had just smacked him in the middle of class and the teacher knew exactly what happened because she continues to press Jerry being like, why would you smack him even if you were invisible? I can't believe you just hit a student. But while talking in the cadence of a teacher, Jerry, is that appropriate? Do you think that that's how people solve their problems in the real world? You can just slap people? Is that what you think, Jerry? And Jerry is still just stammering because I think the realization of A, the fact that he had been scammed, it's hitting him that the other magic potion probably was fake too. It's hitting him he had just done all of this in the middle of class and is going to get in trouble. It's hitting him that, you know, now Tony probably wants to fight him. So he's just kind of sitting there in shock. But the teacher continues to lecture him and then says something about how she He's gonna have to call the principal because obviously she can't just let him hit students in class and he's probably gonna get in a bunch of trouble. And at that point, all confidence Jerry has is gone and he starts doing what uh, I think some fourth graders do when they get in trouble, like in big trouble. And he just starts crying, being like, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it, please don't get the principal involved, it was an accident. And listen, I think maybe if you're playing tag or something and you accidentally smack someone, I could see saying, oh, it was an accident. Whatever, you were running they stopped your hand hit them harder than you expected okay that's a possibility the only issue is Jerry you thought you were invisible creeped up behind the dude reached back your arm as far as humanly possible and smacked him on the back of the head how do you accidentally do that your brain just accidentally made you get up and accidentally moved your legs over there and then accidentally made you raise your hand and smack him that's a whole lot of accidents and I think at that point you got to be worried about being brainwashed or something I accidentally 
apparently lost control of my body for 27 minutes. Anyways, our teacher calls the principal, he comes down and gets Jerry, takes him to the office, and I don't really know the exact conversation that went down in the principal's office because I wasn't there. But what I do know is that instead of snitching on the fifth grader that had sold him the fake potion, Jerry decided to convince the principal that he had gotten the idea from Harry Potter, like, you know, his invisibility cloak. And listen, man, I'm not pro-snitching. That being said, if somebody sells you a fake invisibility potion for $20 and then you get in trouble, I, I don't know, I'd probably tell the principal, this dude sold me the potion, he sold me other ones, he's taking kids' money. Cause you ripped me off, bro. Like, come on, man. Yeah, you're still stupid for thinking you're invisible. Like, that's a really dumb thing to do. I don't know how you can really defend that. But also, the dude did scam you. Like, he did just straight up sell you a fake potion, but nah, blame Harry Potter instead. And the only reason we know that he blamed Harry Potter is because the next day, our teacher had to remove all the Harry Potter books from, like, our little in-class library and had to give us this speech about how not everything we read is real, which, uh, I think most of us knew that. Maybe not Jerry. But, like, I don't think many of the people in that class were thinking that Harry Potter was real and we all had magical powers, just because it's pretty obvious to anyone with a brain that's not what was going on here. But our teacher had to give us this speech, and I still remember it because it was so absurd. Remember, class, just because you read something doesn't mean it's reality. Even if you read in Harry Potter that you have the ability to turn invisible, you don't, okay? Books are fiction. Remember when we learned that? Fiction, non-fiction. Fiction means it's not real. Please don't take things you read in books and think it's reality. And I love that she had to give the speech to the entire class, you know? I hate how they do that in school. Because it's like, listen, there's only one of us that was dumb enough to apparently think that Harry Potter was real. I don't know why you have to give all 27 of us the speech. I get it. We don't want to single kids out. Well, maybe if the dude is thinking magic is real and, and drinking invisibility potions and smacking people, you single him out. You don't lecture all of us because it's just absurd. I was aware of the fact that it's not real. I also love that they took Harry Potter out of the class. They're like, well, now that it's inspiring these kids to fight each other, we just gotta get rid of them. And I'm not even a giant Harry Potter fan. I don't want it to come across like I'm one of these people on TikTok that thinks I'm, I'm going different universes and stuff. I've read the books one time in like the third grade. And that being said, it's just so funny that they really bought that that what was causing the problem, you know? Oh yeah, let's just get rid of the book. Imagine getting rid of Captain Underpants because a kid thinks he's a superhero and like launches himself off the playground. That's that kid's problem. It's not Captain Underpants' fault. Anyways, on top of uh, getting it banned and getting us a nice little speech, he also did get suspended for a few days. And you would think after he came back from suspension, he would have really realized that this entire potion thing wasn't real. He had spent a bunch of his money getting scammed. But ladies and gentlemen, I kid you not, there was uh, another day about a week after this incident. So he's back from suspension and I'm on the playground going back up to the monkey bars because uh, I enjoyed it. And I kid you not, I'm listening to this conversation and I look and it's the same fifth grader selling Jerry another magic potion. This one was supposed to make him taller. And I kid you not, I see Jerry take the $10 bill out of his pocket and hand it to the dude that's selling the potions. And at that moment, I realized that there's no saving Jerry. I, I don't know what you could have possibly done. If you get scammed one time, I guess kind of shame on you for not realizing it, but whatever, maybe you're just naive. You didn't realize the person scamming you. I don't know. But you buy a fake potion from a snake oil salesman and it doesn't work and you end up getting suspended and getting in a bunch of trouble for it. Call me crazy. 
I would not buy another one. You know, I, I understand a lot of you guys are probably disagreeing because, hey, what if it is magic? I know a lot of you guys aren't disagreeing. Don't worry. I don't think you're stupid. But still, how are you going to fall for that again, Jerry? All right? How are you going to fall for that again? Anyways, I don't say anything because last time I said something, I was an idiot and apparently needed to mind my business. So I mind my business this time too. I'm not going to tell you you're getting scammed again because clearly the first time didn't work. But after he walks away, I go up to the dude selling the potions and I'm like, I don't want a potion, okay? I know it doesn't work, but can I ask how many people you're selling potions to? Like, how often does this work? And for some reason, he's really honest with me, and he says, I've definitely sold a lot of potions to people, but usually after the first one doesn't work, they're mad at me and they don't buy another one. Jerry's the only person who keeps buying them. Which, like, listen, obviously, it's kind of a, a crappy move to be scamming anyone for any amount of money, okay? Even if it's just one. Still not cool. That being said, does go to show that Jerry really was not learning his lesson if he's literally the only person at our entire school who did this. Also kind of weird that there were multiple people at our school at the time that really thought you could just buy magic potions on the playground that would work even if it was one time. But I digress. Like, it was just mind-blowing to realize that this dude was, uh, making a crap ton off Jerry. I don't- I don't advocate for it. Guy was still a douche for scamming him. I'm not gonna defend it, but it is funny that Jerry just kept buying magic potions that didn't work even after he knew they didn't work. But what's really funny is Jerry ended up, like, really growing out of his shell. A bunch of people ended up liking him. And in fact, I- I, I think- I don't know this for certain because I wasn't best friends with the dude, but he was really good at baseball in high school, and I'm pretty sure he ended up getting like a scholarship to play in college so uh you know it ended up working out for him i guess i'm not sure if he's too thrilled about the fact that he thought he was invisible in elementary school and tried to fight someone but hey i guess uh maybe he took a steroid potion to make him great at baseball and that one ended up working out for him what would be really interesting if somehow he ends up going to like the major league and making a bunch of money because you know $10 a potion was a lot of money in fourth grade, but imagine they get back in touch and he ends up selling this dude like $60 million potions if he gets a fat contract. That's where the real money comes in, baby. The Bernie Madoff of magic. Overall, I would recommend just keeping in the back of your mind that magic potions don't work, and if they did work, they definitely wouldn't be being sold for $20. And also, if you are gonna have an invisibility potion, just don't smack someone, because, I, I mean, hey, I guess I can't tell you what to do, but that person's gonna be like freaked out forever if they end up having to fight a ghost. Oh, and if someone does scam you for a magic potion, don't, don't buy another one. I guess that's another moral of the story. Basically, in one of the classes I had in high school, there was this kid that like always wore camouflage, a whole military setup, and thought he was the toughest person on the planet. Only issue was he was a bit of a neckbeard and didn't really know what was up and his thoughts on what to do when he gets in a fight included pooping himself, so, uh, little out there for sure. Regardless, I knew you guys would enjoy the story time about it, so that's what we're gonna be doing today, so without further ado, let's get into it. Alright, so I had this class in high school that was, I, I don't really know if you could even consider it a class, because we learned literally nothing, but basically, we would be in the office, and our job for an hour was to just do whatever the people in the office needed us to do. Take stuff to classrooms, get stuff from teachers, you know, print things, copy things, that type of vibe. Basically like an assistant. But it was for the entire front end of the office, so in any hour there were like six assistants. So it was me and five other people. And it was a pretty varied group, I wouldn't say there was any clicks or anything, everybody got along decently okay, but there was one guy that every now and then would go out of his way to be pretty annoying. 
And I'm going to name him Eric with a C for the purpose of this video because I think the best real life comparison would be Cartman. But not like Cartman from South Park. Imagine Cartman from South Park but like tactical military wannabe dude. Like wearing the Punisher skulls the whole nine yards. Listen, I'm not usually one to judge what people wear. I don't care. But this guy would show up in like a full camouflage pattern every single day. And every single day he would talk about how if anything went down right now he would be okay to hide because he's wearing camouflage and it would just be really annoying because he'd be wearing like camouflage for the woods right first of all I live in Las Vegas so if you are wearing camouflage for the woods you're not blending in if anything they're gonna be like hey what's that green person looking thing running around the desert you're gonna stand out and on top of it we were in a school bro like what the white paint that we had in the office you're gonna be pressed up against it in your green camouflage and just be invisible and he would always talk about how he was a tactical mastermind because you know he did a lot of strategy research so he was an expert on it and I don't care people can be into what they're into but one thing that's really annoying is like when that's all that they talk about all the time like you would be like oh yeah I had a soccer game and he would be like oh soccer has grass did I ever tell you that I have camouflage that blends in in grass yeah I'm a little bit of a tactical genius I could probably take over a grass field if I had a platoon and you're like all right bro cool anyways there was another dude who was one of the six people and he was a very tough dude he boxed obviously not for the school we didn't have a boxing team that's a lawsuit waiting to happen no you don't understand mom I got CTE in class but he was a boxer and he was pretty good so he obviously knew how to fight and him and Eric didn't really get along like like they were the people that would argue the most, but Eric kind of just left him alone. And this guy didn't talk a lot about boxing. He had mentioned it a couple times, but it wasn't like it was something he brought up all the time. But one day I came to class and there had been like a big boxing fight that weekend. So I asked him about it because I was like, oh, he'd probably know more than I do. And he started talking to me about it. And that led to a different conversation about his boxing and practice and all that. And Eric was sitting there listening. And out of nowhere, he just decides to jump into the conversation. And he's like, I know you're a boxer, but I'm actually actually a combat expert and I think a lot of what you're saying isn't correct and Eric is definitely not a combat expert I just feel like combat experts wouldn't look like Eric looks he looked like Cartman you know uh, but he proceeds to tell this guy who is a boxer that he has no clue what he's talking about when it comes to getting in a fight or the boxing match that we're talking about boxing was it boxing match I don't know what you would call it it was a fight. You guys get what I'm saying. And obviously this pisses off the boxer kid a little bit. And he's like, hey man, no offense, but I think you should shut up because you don't know anything about fighting. And Eric starts to be like, that's not true. I can tell you all the tactical responses that you should do in a fight. Like da 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 da. And I'm just kind of sitting there watching this, not involved in the argument. And the boxer says, okay, well tell me what you would do. Like if I hit you right now, what would you do? And he's like, well, first of all, I would block the punch. Which, listen, anyone can say that, dude. Like, I feel like anyone... Oh, if you tried to hit me right now, I'd 100% block it. Like, anyone can say that they would be able to block a punch. But it's not actually Mortal Kombat in real life. Like, if you've never been in a fight, if someone swings on you full speed, it's not easy to just, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles deflect that. Especially if you're someone who's never been in a fight and the person hitting you is someone that's trained to hit people. Obviously, this 
kid wasn't a professional boxer, but I'm gonna venture out and say he would swing a little bit faster than the average bear, considering he's trained to swing a little bit faster than the average bear. But he's like, first of all, I would dodge it, and then, once I had your fist in my hand, I would twist your arm around and pull you to the ground. And from there, I would maneuver my knee onto your back and pin you down. And he's explaining this like it's super easy to do, right? Like, I could take you, it's not even an issue. And the boxer kid is literally a little bit slack-jawed, like he can't believe that this kid is saying all this stuff, which it's hilarious. And then he goes, oh, okay, so that's what you would do in that situation. And Eric's like, yeah, that's what I would do. And he says, all right, let me give you a different one. Let's say somehow you don't block my punch and get me onto the ground and I end up above you, like, pinning you onto the ground, what would you do? And he goes, I know this is gonna be a controversial opinion, but I think it would work in a fight. I would poop my pants. And I laugh because I think he's kidding, right? At this point, I'm like, oh, he's just trolling this entire thing as a joke. That would make sense. Because there's no way you can do a tactical pooping of your pants. Like, I, I don't care, man. I don't think the Navy SEALs are out there like, uh, Captain, I did a tactical dookie. Tactical dookie, I'm gonna need to change my diapy. Like, I don't think that's a tactical thing. And I also don't really understand what that would do in a fight. Like, yeah, I guess the person who's pinned you down would be grossed out that you crapped yourself, but they've already kind of won the fight because they've pinned you to the ground. And now it looks even worse because not only have you lost the fight, but you pooped yourself. So I just don't really understand. And neither did the boxer kid because he's like, what? And he says, he's not kidding, he's not kidding, that would be his real strategy, because chances are, whoever has him pinned down would be so grossed out that they would get off of him, and at that point, it would enable him to do the rest of his strategy. And obviously, we needed to know what the rest of his strategy is. Because, okay, let's roll with his plan. Let's say, hypothetically, someone's beating the crap out of you. They've got you pinned to the ground. Hypothetically, you poop your pants, you know? J just stick with me here. And they're like, oh my gosh, that is so disgusting. I don't want to be on you anymore. And they get up. Do you think that when you get up and start running at them to hit them again, that they're just going to be like so terrified of the fact that you pooped your pants that they're not going to defend themselves? Because if anything, I think they're going to be even more angry and trying to keep you away from them. Like if now you've pooped your pants, I can't get pinned down by you. This is even worse. But whatever, obviously we asked him what the rest of his plan would be. If, if hypothetically that's how it went down and they were terrified of him. And he said that his next move would be something he saw on WWE. Which, listen, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I think WWE has no entertainment value. It is fake. If you're gonna argue with me about that, I, I don't even know that you have the brain cells to argue. But it's entertaining. I'll give you that. No, WWE is not fake. Yeah, all the wrestlers just end up trying to be actors, bro. No, nothing about the WWE lends itself to pretending to be something you're not. You really think they're smacking each other with chairs, dude? And I'm not saying they're not jacked. The Rock could throw me through a wall. But the WWE isn't real combat. Like, you can't take their moves, you know? But it is entertaining. I will say that. You can't tell me watching The Rock smack John Cena with a chair is not something you would kind of want to see. Sure, it's fake, but it can be entertaining. Anyways, he said he would use a move that he saw in the WWE 
WWE that allows him to pick up the person and slam them over his knee. And I'm not sure what the move is called. There was a name for it. I'm not like a giant WWE guy. I don't watch it on a regular basis, but you guys get what I'm saying. It was like one of the moves where he would basically lift you up in Mortal Kombat, finish you over his knee. And I don't necessarily know if he was just trying to fatality everyone that he got into a fight with, but I also had to question if he could actually lift up anyone. I'm not going to shame him because like, hey, I'm, I'm like a stick bug, bro. I'm not in great shape. But Eric was not necessarily in the shape where you would think he'd be able to lift up somebody and, like, pull them above his head and then slam them down. I don't know how strong he was. I never saw the dude lift any weights. But I'm just saying, I think you would have to be in exceptional shape to be able to just pick up anyone and lift them up above your head. Like, you've got to be really strong to do that. I'm sure you've got to be, I don't know about a bodybuilder, but you definitely got to be in better shape than any of us are. And at that point, the boxer is like, okay, sorry, I guess that's a fair plan. And he kind of laughs because he's like, I'm not even going to continue this discussion. But whatever. Uh, the conversation kind of ends we go about our business doing the office aid stuff and uh eventually class ends we go about our business and i basically forget the conversation i mean if somebody said who was the person that you met that was the most delusional about how tough they are i would remember it but it wasn't like on a daily basis every time i saw this dude i remembered the story but about a week later there was a situation where me the boxer and eric all were out by like the dock and we were helping unload a bunch of paper it might have been like labels I don't know it was some office supplies but the boxes were heavy and we're obviously taking the boxes off the truck onto like the the dock thing where they drop off the deliveries and Eric is being useless like he just can't really lift up any of the boxes and no one's saying anything because we don't really care like he is moving them one at a time but he's having to like take two steps put it down take two steps put it down and listen they're heavy I'm like picking up one walking it putting it down but they're not insanely heavy I wasn't having to stop in the 10 feet in between picking it up and taking it off the truck but the boxer kid is in better shape than us so he's lifting up like two of them at a time walking him out no problem but by the time we're getting to the end of the truck obviously he's gotten a little bit more more tired than he was at the start so he's only carrying one at a time and Eric has probably only unloaded like 10 boxes at this point and the boxer kid has probably done like a 40 50 of them and for some reason Eric decides to make a comment and says oh slowing down not so tough are you because he's only carrying one now and the boxer kid is like excuse me and he says oh yeah you were trying to show off and show how tough you are earlier by carrying two at a time but you couldn't do it the whole time because you're weak you're not as tough as you thought you were huh and the boxer is like dude what are you talking about I was just trying to get the job done faster and who are you to call anyone weak because you have to take like nine breaks while carrying it off off the truck like who are you to talk crap about anyone and at this point Eric probably should have let it go oh yeah okay I guess that's a good point because he just didn't move a lot of boxes and nobody cared nobody was going to say anything to him no one was gonna be like Eric you sure were useless like it just really wasn't that deep we would have just gone about our business but he decided to say something but he doesn't let it go and he says something along the lines of like oh you're lucky that I'm tired today otherwise I would teach you a lesson for talking to me like that and the boxer kid is like dude who 
are you talking to? You want to teach me a lesson? And Eric gets up in his face and says, yeah, I think I need to teach you a lesson because you think you're Mr. Tough Guy because you've boxed a couple times. You've never fought someone with tactical experience like me. I don't know what tactical experience he's talking about. We're in school, bro. It's not like any of us can have any tactical experience. Oh, dude, I play Airsoft every weekend. Like, I don't know if that counts. And considering you want to do a tactical poop your pants maneuver, I don't think your tactics are as good as you think they are. <clears throat> I'm glad I've gathered the Department of Defense here today. Gentlemen, I know many of you are five-star generals that have done combat tours of duty. I've never done any of that, but I did pass the ninth grade. What I can tell you is that we should train every single U.S. military personnel to collectively poop their pants. It will scare off the enemy. And then generals are like, how did you get into the Pentagon? Get this kid out of here. What is he talking about? And the boxer is not really loving this, and he says, get out of my face, otherwise I'm going to teach you a lesson. And Eric at that point makes probably the biggest mistake he can make and shoves him. Which, at that point, all bets are off. If you shove somebody, you have started the fight. And ding, 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 round one begins. And it only was one round because the boxer shoves him back and says, you don't want to do that. Eric reaches back to swing. And before he even throws the punch, the boxer throws a nasty jab, dude, with the speed of Lightning McQueen. Speed. I am speed. And hits Eric, like, right on the chin. Eric's head snaps back, dude, like, uh, you know the elastic rubber bands that people use to work out? Like, you see the videos where people put it on their foot and pull, and it snaps back and hits him in the face? Like, that's how hard his head snaps back. And as soon as he realizes he's been hit in the face, Mr. Tough Guy, Mr. Tactical, doesn't do any WWE maneuver, lift him up, spin him above his head to the point where he's, like, reaching helicopter blades level of speed and then throw him up into the air so he flies up and flies away forever. No, he puts his hands up and goes, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, and walks away. And listen, if I got hit in the face that hard, I probably would have the same reaction. I'm not saying that I'm tough. I don't want anyone to think that this story time is me saying, oh, I'm, I'm cool. If I got punched in the face as hard as he got punched in the face, I would have been done too. The only difference is I wasn't walking around being like, yeah, my tactical fighting style means that I can take anyone in combat, all right? And I would have never tried to swing on the dude that's trained how to fight because I realized that like, I probably don't win this one because I don't have any training. But the boxer says, like, yeah, that's what I thought. I knew you were done. You can't fight. And Eric is like, ah, you're lucky that I don't feel like using my training on you. That punch was weak, so I'm gonna give you a break so that way I don't embarrass you. And it's just like mad cope. You know when somebody is saying something and they're trying to look tough and be like, yeah, I, I could beat you up, but I just don't really feel like it right now. To try to make themselves feel better. But the only issue was even he didn't believe what he was saying. Like there was no, you know, you can hear it in someone's voice when even they're like, ah, this is bullcrap. I don't believe what I'm saying. And that was kind of what he sounded like. Like, you're lucky that I don't feel like trying to beat you up right now. There's a zero percent chance he would have been able to beat the dude up and I couldn't have either like I said I'm, I'm not Mr. Tough Guy but like there was a 0.0% chance of Eric even landing a punch in all actuality so he kind of just had to go coat mode <laughs> you're lucky that my Navy SEAL training is uh, preventing me from beating you up right now my hands are actually registered as lethal weapons so I'm not allowed to hit anyone or the police would be able to arrest me for attempted murder but we unloaded 
did the rest of the truck and Eric kind of disappeared. We didn't know where he went. But as soon as he walked away, the boxer was like, do you think I'm going to get in trouble? And I was like, I mean, if he does tell for whatever reason, which I don't think he will because it would just be embarrassing for him. He would also get in trouble because he pushed you and tried to swing on you. Like, I don't think he's going to tell. And the boxer kid was like, okay, good. You know, I don't want to get in trouble. And I was like, nah, I think you'll be okay. So we finish unloading the truck. We go back to the office and Eric is talking to like the lady in charge of the office. And instantly we get nervous because we're like, ah, he's snitching right now. Like he's definitely snitching. I just didn't want to be involved. It's not like I got in a fight with the guy, but I was like, ah, crap. Don't make me have to like tell them what happened. But he he looks up and goes, oh, hey, guys, what's up? And we're like, hey, man. And he says, oh, I was just telling her that you guys unloaded most of the boxes and I appreciate it. And we were like, yeah, no problem. And we were waiting for uh, and I also told her that he hit me in the face, but it never came. It was almost like after the boxer kid hit him in the face, he was like, all right, I'm still Mr. Tough Guy. Don't get it twisted. He still wore all the camouflage. He still talked about being tactical, but he kind of dropped the whole like I'm tougher than you and can beat you up type of thing. And listen, I didn't hit him in the face. I don't know why he dropped it with me, but I never brought it up again with him either just because he had gotten cooler. Like he had kind of stopped trying to be Mr. Tough Guy. So there was no reason to remind him of that time. And uh, the boxer dude, I guess, had punched enough people in the face where he didn't really need to go around bragging about it either because he kind of dropped it and didn't mention it. And sure, he was still kind of annoying sometimes, but his annoyingness dropped by like a solid 95% after that. Uh, I don't know what you can take away from that. Maybe sometimes people should get punched in the face. That's a joke. Don't hit people, guys. Come on. Don't do that. I'm not trying to get demonetized. I can't, I can never recommend hitting anyone. Don't do it. It's not nice. Now that Susan's not listening though, it was definitely uh, pretty funny to see. Just because like, ah, he had been talking crap for so long and he had so many chances to walk away and he just wouldn't do it. I also would not recommend the tactical pooping yourself tactic. I'm just very grateful he didn't do that. We probably would have had to tell the teachers at that point. Like if he did for whatever reason decide to go through with that after he got punched in the face we just hear like guys guys i did i did the thing like i still don't know where he was coming from with that i really don't on no planet do i think that that is a real tactical thing you should ever do for any reason just i i just am i can't really get on board with that either way though guys oh. so the person who sent this in to me is a grown-up now but at the time was in fourth grade and obviously when you're in fourth grade you're doing a whole lot of learning it's not like you have the whole life thing down at least if you have your entire life together in fourth grade you're way ahead of everybody else you know kudos to you i guess but most of us are pretty stupid and to counteract the fact that you know they were in fourth grade and didn't know too much their teachers decided to organize this this reading drive festival thing that was going to last the last three months of the school year and they gathered everybody in the gymnasium for this big announcement and everybody's in there and they're like I wonder if they're gonna put soda in the water fountain you know just all this crazy stuff that like wasn't gonna happen and all the teachers come in and they're like all right guys we know that you guys have been doing a fantastic job reading so we want to reward you with something we call book bucks 
book bucks. Guys, guys, up here, okay? Can I get fingers on lips, please? Quiet, quiet. Okay, book bucks, guys, all right? Every book you read, you're gonna get a book buck, and if you get 10 book bucks, then you can redeem it for a real dollar. And all the fourth graders are like, oh my god, a real dollar! And they explain that these book bucks, blah 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 blah, given out per hundred pages read, or a book, whichever one it was, da 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 da, your parents had to sign off on it, the whole shebang. And they show them the book buck, and it's basically just like a piece of construction paper that has like a book buck logo printed on it, whatever you make up in your head, close enough, yeah. Um, so they have that little design on it, and that's basically the only thing that distinguishes it between being real and fake. And listen, I highly doubt that the teachers were like, oh, these fourth graders are gonna start counterfeiting this. But as soon as this person heard about what was going on with being able to read books for money, they decided that they were gonna use it to get rich. You know, they never said that there was a limit to it, so in his head, he was just gonna read a bajillion books and become a billionaire. Well, the subscriber gets home and starts reading a bunch of books, and wouldn't you know it, reading a hundred pages takes a bit longer than you want. And he starts doing the math based on how long it took him to do a hundred pages of reading. And it's not very right, because he comes up with, like, a stat that it's gonna take him two years to read four books, which hopefully not. But he really, really wants to use these book bucks to make money. And they had given everyone one book buck, right? To just be like, this is for you guys, do what you want with it. And at the time, his brother, who was a little bit older and in college at the time, and happened to be going to school for, like, graphic design and had printers and different types of papers in his room, he goes to him and says, hey, can you make this for me? And his brother's obviously a little bit skeptical, but he looks at it and says, well, what is a book buck? Why do you need it? And he explains that they get it for every hundred pages that they read and... He can redeem them every 10 for a dollar. And his brother is like, okay, cool. I doubt they're going to think that this one's real. Like, I bet you they have some type of system for checking if it's real. But I'll make you 10. You can get a dollar. Which, listen, I know some people are going to say, oh, the brother shouldn't have been involved. I don't know. You get a chance to use your printer to make some cool counterfeit fake money. The worst that happens is he gets a dollar for free. and ain't no big deal. So whatever, he gives him the 10 fake book bucks. And that Friday, there was a day where they could transfer in their book bucks. You couldn't do it every day, but on Friday, they had this student store. You could transfer them in there. And you had to say your name when you put in your book bucks. But at the time, they didn't think that there was any, like, tracking system, whatever. And uh, he turns in the hundred pages he read, so he gets another book buck from the teacher. And she has a chart where she's keeping track of how many pages they've read. But sure enough, Friday comes and he goes and he turns in his 11 book bucks, or 12, sorry, and he gets $1.20. And he's feeling pretty good about himself, you know, he's like, woo-wee, I got $1.20, they didn't know that I used fake book bucks. But he's a little bit too excited to the point where he breaks the number one rule of doing anything against the rules. Keep your mouth shut. If you get away with using fake book bucks or whatever, you don't go blabbing about it. But he is so excited that he goes and tells all of his friends, and his friends instantly start pressuring him to get them some fake book bucks, and they're saying that they can do this and make a ton of money. Why stop with one dollar? And obviously the idea of making a lot of money resonates with the subscriber, so he's like, okay, I'll ask my brother. And he gets home that day and he starts preparing this presentation, feeling like he's about to go on an episode of Shark Tank. He's got to convince uh, Mark Cuban to invest in his business. And he goes into his brother's room and he's like, hey, I need you to print more of those for me. Me and my friends are going to use it to make a lot of money. 
and we just need you to print it. And his brother tells him like, no, I'm not gonna do that because that's just kind of abusing the system. You need to actually read the books. Like, do you have any idea how bad of a brother I would be if I enabled you to A, take money from the school and B, avoid reading books for as long as humanly possible? Like that's not a good brother move to do. So I'm not gonna do that. And I don't think the subscriber really understood like the seriousness of the situation or thought of it as like taking money. I think they just thought of it as bending the rules because they didn't really care what they brother said. They were like, yeah, whatever. That's a really smart, mature viewpoint on it. Shut up. So as soon as their brother left, he had a college class on Saturdays. He went into his room and printed himself 200 of these bucks. So what is that? I don't know, $20 worth? He stashes them under his bed because his brother doesn't need to see it, and he decides to tell his friends about his plan. And he goes to school Monday. Obviously, they couldn't redeem it till Friday, but he goes, look, I'm going to give everybody... 20 book bucks or 40 whatever the divide was there was like nine people four of them ended up being really involved but the first time they did it there was nine people but he's like i'm gonna spread up the book bucks you guys can keep 20 percent of whatever i give you if you give me the rest and obviously that's a pretty sweet deal for them they just kind of gotta walk up and redeem it so they say yes next thing you know that friday comes it works again they don't really double check anything. They look legit, so all good, they get their money. And so that Saturday, he decides, okay, let's let's turn up the ante a little bit. I'm gonna print a thousand of them. He figures at that point, if he can make a hundred dollars, then like they're basically good to go and do as much as they want. And he's not really realizing that he's taking money out of the school. He doesn't get that yet. So he prints a thousand, tells his friends, all right, we might take a couple weeks to do this one, but let's do it. Sure enough, it works. They're about a month into this program, and now they've made like 125 bucks off of this fake money. But at this point, word starts to get out that this dude makes fake money. And because it's elementary school, people are like, I'm telling. So he ends up being in a situation where he has to keep printing more and more of these because every time that someone finds out and is like threatening to tell on him, he pays them off. So he's literally like bribing all these people into silence with these fake book bucks and they're redeeming them. And all in all, he ends up running the color of construction paper out of his brother's supply. And I guess his brother just didn't use that color a whole lot. It was one of those ugly colors. You know how schools always end up using like the cheapest material. So it's always the ugliest color, kind of that situation. So he ends up using all the paper and he makes a crap ton, probably like close to 10,000 of them. So uh, close to a thousand dollars in these illegal things rolling around. But they don't really think that they're going to get caught because they assume that there's no way that they're keeping track. But what they didn't realize is the teachers had kind of thought about people trading them, creating a black market. So they had decided to double check that everyone redeemed only what they had read. And so the teacher was keeping track of every time they read 100 pages or a book, the parent would sign off on it. But when they would go redeem them on that Friday, the person working the shack, which was an office aide, like their snack shack thing, would write down their last name and how much they redeemed. And so for a long time, while the experiment is rolling and they're doing this book festival drive thing for a few months, they just weren't double checking. They weren't really concerned about it. There was nothing throwing up red flags. So no one had double checked and done the math. So every Friday, these guys are cashing out, but they announced that they were finishing the festival because it was nearing the end of the school year. And so the last week of the school year, they were gonna count it up and whatever class read the most pages was gonna get an award. And so obviously that starts to make them a little bit nervous. 
because they're like, well, if they use the chart that the Snack Shack's been using, then we've probably read more books than people have ever existed. And so they start to get nervous that they're going to get found out. And they're thinking that they're getting away with it, though, because no one has called them to the office. No one's decided to call their parents until one day they're sitting in class and one by one over the intercom so the entire school can hear it they start getting called to the office and it's not like it's hard to break fourth graders so by the time they all get to the office one of them has broken and said that they were making fake money da 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 and that the subscriber is the ringleader. So the subscriber gets to the office and he gets pulled into a different room with the fourth grade teacher that organized the entire event and the principal. And they're like, we know that you've been printing fake money and we need you to admit it because we know it's true. Which listen, if they say we know you did it, but we need you to admit it, then they don't know that you actually did it. So the subscriber decides to keep his mouth shut and he's like, no, I have no clue what you're talking about. I have no idea. And at that point, the fourth grade teacher goes, would you like to know why we think you're printing money? And we know that you've at least been redeeming the printed money. And he's like, sure, because I didn't. He's trying to stick to his story, but they did have a little bit of proof. And they're like, well, this is what's funny. You read 800 pages according to what your parents signed off on, but you redeemed 4,000 pages worth of these points. So listen, either there's something going on and you know who's printing the money because you got most of it, or it's you printing it. And at that point, he kind of realizes he's cheesed. He didn't realize that they had been keeping two different sets of books to make sure that this didn't happen and he's kind of flattered that they set up this entire system to stop him I mean it did stop him so there's no reason to be flattered but he decides to come clean and he's like look okay the first day I had read all these pages and it was gonna take me forever da -da 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 -da. my brother has a printer so I decided to just see if I could print it and I did it and the first week it worked so it just kept growing more and more out of control and they're like, okay, well, how many did you print? And for some reason, he decides to ask them this question, which I was not this smart in fourth grade. I never would have asked this question. I would have probably just told them how many I printed. He goes, well, how many do you know that I printed? And they said 6,000. And he said, well, I printed 6,200, which he didn't. He had printed close to like 10,000 of them. But he realized that he would only get in trouble for what they knew he had faked. And at a certain point, they probably hadn't caught them all. Because he had been paying bribes, and not all these bribes are the same amount. You know, 10 book bucks there, 100 book bucks here. Those probably didn't really get caught, because like, eh, a 10-page discrepancy between what a kid read and what the book recorded, that could be just a clerical error. Once you start getting to like a few hundred pages difference, that's when it's really obvious. So a lot of that kind of just got brushed under the rug because it was in amounts that they really weren't paying attention to but they end up having the local sheriff come in because he lived in a kind of small town and give him this really really long talk about how counterfeiting money is illegal and he shouldn't do it because they were waiting on his parents to come in because they had called him and even though the guy had just done all this he was an idiot he had gotten caught I can't recommend doing it he obviously knew that you can't do this with real money and he even told the cop he's like I would never try to print real money I just didn't think it was a big deal and so the cops giving him this speech about how you know you can't counterfeit money it's illegal da 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 and he's like i don't understand was why i did was wrong because i just made construction paper money and then the cop tells him, well, you do realize that the money that the school was giving out for that came from their budget. So you kind of did take a lot of money from the school. 
And at that point, he starts to feel horrible. Like the guilt consumes him. He starts crying. I didn't mean to. I didn't want to make anyone upset. And the cop is confused because 10 seconds ago, he's okay. Now he's crying. And he goes to get the principal and the principal comes back and they're consoling him. And he's apologizing to the principal. And while all this is going on, his parents show up and they walk in. And his mom's upset that he's upset. And it's just chaos. Too much going on, but it finally calms down and the principal is like, okay, do you understand why this is a big deal because money came out of the budget? And he says, yes, I'm sorry, I didn't think about it. Which, listen, when you're in fourth grade, you don't really understand the connection between, like, school budgetary restrictions and the book buck that is on, like, brown construction paper. You're probably not correlating those things in your head. To anyone that knows how it works, it's obvious, but he didn't really get it. So the principal sees that he feels bad and he's like, I'm sorry. And his parents obviously are embarrassed too because their son was running a mini counterfeiting operation at the age of nine. A real Pablo Escobar type. And they said they would pay for all of the fake money, which I think totals $625 based on what he admitted, if my math's not wrong. Which, hey man, my parents would have made me mow a crap ton of lawns to pay that back or like wash dishes or something your parents are really really chill for just paying that my parents would have been like 625 dollars you're gonna be mowing lawns until you graduate no until you die you're gonna come back every day i don't care if you live in another state and do the dishes until i'm 87 years old because i paid this for you I'm charging interest. His parents didn't do that, though. I don't know if that's the best lesson, to be honest. Like, I'm not trying to critique your parents, bro, if you're listening to this. I'm not saying they made a bad choice. I'm just saying you might probably want to punish your kid a little bit if he runs a counterfeiting operation. And he did get suspended from school. They didn't really have a choice. They didn't have, like, a regulation in the rulebook for it. As much as it would shock you to believe, I know schools have very intense rulebooks, there is nothing about what to do if a kid runs a counterfeiting operation with money that doesn't exist. That's not in subsection paragraph 4. They don't cover that in year 2 of teaching. Is teaching the degree, or is it just like any bachelor degree can be a teacher? Whatever, who cares? Anyways, he did end up getting suspended, but his parents realized that he had got a lecture on counterfeiting from the sheriff. He did feel bad, so they didn't punish him too much at home. Which, I don't know if the kid needs to have the worlds collide and the biggest punishment of all time, but I don't know if it's also a good idea to like not take his Xbox away for a few days. Sure, he did get a lesson from the sheriff, but considering the sheriff didn't know what to do when he started crying, how much of that did he actually retain? He did never start up another counterfeiting business, so I guess the sheriff's speech worked. Even though it made him cry, it did work, so he has a 100% success rate. His parents were actually more mad at the fact that he had stolen from his brother, and he ended up having to work off the paper that he had taken. That was the only thing they made him pay for. And his brother was pissed, too. He's like, when were you doing this? On Saturdays when you were at class. How did you know how to work the printer? I watched you do it the first time we did it. And so after that, he changed his password. He could no longer get into the printer. But hey, that was going to happen, man. You can't be surprised. That's the equivalent of stealing someone's car, using it as a getaway car in the robbery, and then being like, why do you never let me borrow the keys, Dan? Because last time I let you borrow my car, there was a felony warrant out for my arrest six hours later. I'm not trying to go through that again. You ever been arrested in an In-N-Out drive-thru? I don't think so. It's embarrassing. They threw my animal fries onto the ground. It's also a huge benefit that this happened at the end of the school year. It's not like he had to see and deal with any of the teachers other than, like, seeing them. You know, he wasn't in the class anymore. 
Could you imagine the teacher that organized it is his teacher? She's all mad at him. He's all mad at him. I don't know. And they're like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get revenge on you. They make him fail the fourth grade forever. He's just permanently stuck in fourth grade like a South Park character. 30 years later, he's like Adam Sandler in that one movie. You're lucky this happened at the end of the year. You don't want to have to deal with a teacher after they hate you for, like, starting a counterfeiting operation. I've never had that happen, but I'm assuming that would not go down very well. My brother actually told me this story. It happened to him at his school, and, uh, I guess things have changed since I was in school. Basically, he has someone at his school who thinks they're, like, half feline, half human. And listen, if that's what you want to do, then that's what you want to do. But this particular person makes it everyone's problem because they'll, like, hiss at people over the slightest inconvenience they've scratched people they bite people overall just super cringe you know i had to share it though because it's just absolutely nuts thinking about a herd of furries like hissing at people and going after everyone and trying to bite them is nuts I feel like if someone scratched me, bit me, and hissed at me, I'd have to fight them, you know? Like, if I'm just walking through the hallway and someone hissed at me, I'd have to, like, throw a desk at them. And when the teachers asked me why I did it, I'd say, oh, no, I didn't know what it was. It could have been a tiger for all I knew. That's why I acted the way that I did, you know? Regardless, it's a pretty cringe story time, uh, entertaining to say the least, so without further ado, let's hop into it. Alright, so this actually all started right at the beginning of the school year, went off with a bang. Day one, there's always that, like, awkward time where everyone's just gotta introduce themselves, you're playing those icebreaker games, like, the first week of school's just always pretty crappy. But since it was the first day, my brother walked into this class and they started doing this thing where they had to, like, go around and say one thing about themselves, introduce themselves, that type of vibe. And most people were being pretty normal about it, like saying their hobbies, one or two facts about themselves, and sitting down. But about halfway through, this one kid stands up, clears his throat, and is like, I am a descendant of a feline god. Which everyone is kind of caught off guard by, especially because he doesn't say it in a way where he's joking. Like, I think most of the class probably thought it was a joke, but with just really bad delivery, you know, when someone's trying to be funny, but they just don't have the whole funny thing down. And so the class is pretty quiet, waiting for him to say, like, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But that never comes. He continues to go off about how, like, because he's a descendant of a feline god, he's been blessed with some powers from every big cat and then like lists off all the big cats just in case you had forgotten what they were you know lion tiger puma all of those and then he says that if he ever reacts to them in a feline way understand that it's the power of a god so they should not try to do anything about it which listen you're obviously pretty delusional if you think you're like a descendant of a feline god and have the powers of large cats but it's even funnier to think that you're gonna use your powers of a large cat on your classmates and they just shouldn't do anything about it. I'm just saying, man, I don't know if hissing at strangers is a god power, but people are obviously gonna be bugged by that. Also, what a lame power. Like, out of every power you could get from being an ancient god, it's just hissing at strangers. Like, oh man, ooh. That's right, he's a descendant from an ancient Egyptian cat god, but his main power is hissing at everyone. Anyways, he continues to go off about how, like, he knows that he's one with the cat and there's nothing that they could do to convince him otherwise, and no one's even said anything, so he's just kind of arguing with himself. And so the class isn't really sure how to react, so they're just very, very quiet. No one would know how to react in that situation. It's weird if someone starts claiming they're a cat god, like, what do you do? 
So the class is just kind of like, okay, I, I guess, thanks. And he sits back down and goes back to what he was doing. Like, that was just a perfectly normal sentence. For this guy, pretty standard to just stand up, claim to be a cat god, say that you have uh, cat powers. It seemed perfectly normal for him, and the rest of the class was just kind of confused. But when he sits back down and acts like it was perfectly normal, everyone just kind of tries to move on. And the teacher stammers a bit, just kind of like, well, okay, I guess, thank you, and just moves on. And I can't blame the teacher for just moving on. Like, I know some of you guys in the comments, why didn't the teacher tell them that they were delusional right then and there? Well, because the person's delusional, man. You ever tried to argue with somebody that's delusional enough to think they're a god? If they think that they have god powers, something tells me that they're not going to be very good at admitting that they're wrong because you know they think they're a cat god so they just moved on and the rest of the class is just introducing themselves and they get to that like period at the end of class where everyone's just kind of packing up their stuff and the bell rings and if you've ever tried to leave a crowded classroom it kind of sucks because there's only one door and there's like 30 people in a class so everyone trying to go out at once kind of creates a jam and there's not much you can do about it, so everyone's trying to get through the door. And my brother's kind of near the back of the line, and he starts hearing this, like, hissing noise. And he's not sure what it is, because he didn't think about the cat kid again. Like, the first thing on his mind was that, you know, something was leaking, or, like, something was, was compressed, like a soda can had started leaking or something. So he starts looking around, and when he turns around, he sees that the cat boy is just kind of staring daggers at him and hissing at him angrily. And obviously, my brother has never turned around and seen someone, like, hissing at him angrily. So he just says, like, WTF, but he, he says the words. I'm not going to say it because I like getting paid on YouTube. But you'll know what I'm saying, and the cat boy response to that is just to go, move. Keep in mind, there's like 25 people trying to get through the door in front of them. There's nowhere to go. My brother can't just like uh, turn on his magic powers and phase through the door. There's nowhere to go. So my brother just kind of looks back at him and says, no, I can't. There's nowhere to go. And to that, I guess the cat boy felt very insulted, almost disrespected, because he raises his hands, kind of like their claws, like, you know, when someone would just kind of curl their fingers, and literally goes, <sighs> again, with his claws raised, almost like he's threatening my brother, like he's gonna scratch him or something. And when he raises his claws and hisses at him, my brother laughs, because how could you not laugh at the sight of this? Like, a human being looking at you, raising their claws and, like, hissing? I, I would have laughed too, dude. It's just so cringe, you can't make it up. You know, if you want to be a furry or whatever, like, you and your friends want to dress up in fursuits and hang out, I, I guess, like, whatever, dude. If you're not harming anyone, more power to you. It's not my cup of tea, like, I don't get it, but whatever, most of them are harmless. The second you start thinking you're a cat god and, like, scratching and hissing at people and threatening them, though, it just crosses the line. And I feel like it's fair game to make fun of you a little bit. And I'm sure the furries that just are minding their own business don't like people like this either, because it just makes them all look bad when they're rolling around claiming to be a cat god and attacking strangers. Anyways, Catboy's reaction to being laughed at is to scratch my brother. He had raised those claws not only as a deterrent, but as a weapon. Kaka! He, like, attacks him and scratches him. And my brother's kind of in shock because it doesn't hurt really bad, but he just can't really believe that this dude just hissed at him and actually scratched him. And so he shoves the guy after that, like, away from him. And is like, dude, what's wrong with you? Why did you just scratch me? And then my brother raises his hand to hit him. Because obviously that's what you would do if someone just scratched you for no reason. 
I don't know, maybe some people are like, violence is never the answer. Okay, true. But if someone else has already scratched you, I feel like hitting them back is okay. But before he can hit him, his friend kind of stops him, which is a good thing, because we all know schools now have the stupid rule where, like, if you get into a fight, both of you are in trouble. Doesn't matter if someone scratched you first, you're, you're both equally bad somehow. It doesn't make any sense, but whatever. Uh, so his friend stops him, but that obviously means that he didn't hit him back. So the teacher saw it, and she comes over and is like, why did you scratch him? Like, why did you do that? And at first, the cat boy tries to deny it. You know, even though a bunch of people saw it, the teacher witnessed it, he's like, I didn't scratch him. And so the teacher who witnessed it shuts that down and is like, listen, I literally saw you scratch him. He has a scratch mark, like, look. And my brother hadn't looked yet, and he looks down, and sure enough, you can see the marks from where the kids scratched him on the arm. And, uh, they were pretty long scratch marks and, like, pretty red. The dude had gone full scratch mode on him, you know? 100% of his power was used to try to scratch my brother. Too bad my brother's power level is much stronger than that. Like, he had really tried to really go scratching on him. But even after that, he tries to deny it and said that my brother already had those marks during class. Like, oh yeah, he just already casually had gotten into a fight with a cat person earlier. And the teacher's not buying it because the teacher wasn't born yesterday. So, you know, they're like, that's not true. I don't know if he thought the teacher was on shrooms or something, just hallucinating. And, and my brother had just clawed himself to set him up like, oh, I'm going to frame this kid for being a demon. So I'm going to scratch myself. Anyways, the teacher shuts it down again and says that, like, it doesn't matter what your excuse is, you still can't scratch people. And when he realizes that the teacher isn't gonna buy the idea that, like, he didn't do it, he starts trying to shift blame instead, saying that they have no right to be angry at him for scratching him because it's something that comes with being a half-feline, half-god, half-human combination. It's just the way he acts. Believe it or not, you're not half-cat, half-god. Like, let's just start there. You're not some ancient Egyptian cat god. That's not reality. But on top of it, if you were some, like, feline demigod, you're so lame that you're just gonna scratch people for no reason in school. Like, I, I don't know, man. If I had some demigod powers, the last place I would be is school in the first place. But I definitely wouldn't be letting myself get caught up in, like, some petty mortal drama. I'm half-god. And that's with, like, working with his delusions. Obviously, you're just not a demigod in the first place. But even if you pretended that he was, like, what? Okay, so, so you just are scratching people and have cat god powers? But your scratch is so weak, it just leaves a scratch. You have the power of a god, but your scratch didn't, like, instantly burst everyone into flames in the room. Come on, man. And if you were half god, yeah, why are you still in school, dude? Like, do you imagine he went to his parents? Listen, mom, I'm half cat god, and I should be able to drop out of school. And they were like, no. And so he's just still there. He just has to keep going. Doesn't matter. Anyways, the teacher doesn't really care if uh, it's normal for half-feline, half-god, half-human, or half-demigod, whatever. Who knows, bro? I just... Says it doesn't really matter about that, he's still gonna get in trouble. And so, now that the demigod has realized he's actually gonna get in trouble, there's no way out of this, he just starts freaking out. Which is not very godlike, may I just say. Yelling that, like, he's sorry for scratching my brother, but he doesn't want to get in trouble. And my brother's just kind of like, uh, okay, don't do it again. He doesn't really know what to say in that situation. And when my brother says just don't do it again, he thinks he's out of trouble. But it's not really up to my brother, it's up to the teacher. And the teacher says that he's still gonna be in trouble. 
And now he's just pissed off because he knows he's going to get in trouble. So he decides to attack the teacher. Except instead of going for like a scratch attack, he decides to bite the teacher. And as soon as the kid bites the teacher, the teacher starts freaking out because obviously it wasn't in her uh, plan today to be being bitten by a student. I don't think she walked into class like, what's up, today's lesson plan is to have everyone biting me. It's the first day of school. But the teacher yells out that like he needs to release her now and he's just not letting go. He is holding on with his teeth and just, just saying he's not going to stop biting her. And so he had to have been like just thinking to himself that he's in too deep and he just has to commit now. But also how weird for the teacher to have your arm being held hostage against you because someone's biting it. Talk about 127 hours. You know the movie where he has to like cut his arm off with a pocket knife? She's like, I, I might have to chop the arm off to get rid of Catboy over here. Like imagine looking down at your arm and just seeing Catboy looking up at you refusing to let go. Like, hey man, that's mine. Please let go. He just looks back at you and communicates telepathically. Did you forget that I'm a god? Either way, she grabs her radio thing and calls for help since he's not gonna let go and he still won't let go. It's like he's super committed to this bite. You know, I guess at that point, you've already bit the teacher. What do you have to lose? You like gotta just commit. Like you're gonna get in trouble either way. Obviously, the real first choice would be not biting anyone. Like just don't be weird and bite people. But if you've already bit the teacher, you're already screwed. I don't know. I feel like just not biting people is the way to go as we learn from Nemo. Fish are friends, not food. I feel like you could apply that to humans. Humans are friends, not food. But in his mind, you already bit the teacher. You're already going down for it. Oh, well, you might as well go for the world record. It's like bull riding. If you can stay on the bull for eight seconds, you win. If you can stay biting the teacher for eight hours, you win. And he's just not letting go of the teacher. And he's trying to argue the full time, but he has his mouth full because he's biting someone. So whenever he tries to argue, it's just like... <laughs> And so finally, people get there to help, and it's like five or six people, and they're all yelling at him to let go. And he just won't do it. He's refusing to let go, so they decide that they're going to have to, like, open his mouth and pry him off the teacher. That's how committed he is to this bite. Just being an absolute nutter butter. So they, like, put some gloves on, probably to make sure he's not contagious or something, and starts trying to, like, pry his mouth open. And I don't know why the detail of gloves makes me laugh even more. Like, obviously, you should wear gloves in this situation, man. But I would wear, like, three layers of gloves just because you don't know what's going on. These people weren't here for this entire situation. You walk in, someone's just biting a teacher, refusing to let go. You don't know anything about feline gods. You probably think this dude's patient zero from a zombie apocalypse. Just walked into a class where a student's trying to eat everyone. I wouldn't take my chances either. Either way, they start kind of prying him off and they finally like get his mouth open and pull him off the teacher. And he starts struggling and like gets out of their arms and he's hissing the entire time. And after he gets out of their arms, he like crawls on all fours across the floor to a corner like some type of possessed demon. And honestly, at that point, it wouldn't have surprised me if he, like, just started climbing up the wall. Like, screw it, man. Let's just go full demon possession. Let's see these feline god powers you got. Either way, he's over in the corner hissing at everyone all pissed off. And so the adults in the room start trying to formulate a plan to capture him. 
like, okay, we gotta go over here and, and, and get this way and over this way and da 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 da. And my brother is just standing there awkwardly for all of this, just kind of not knowing what to do. And either way, they decide to take two adults and do like a pincer move on him, kind of go in from either side, and they start trapping him in the corner. And it's like an escaped lion, man. He's just hissing at them, like saying he's gonna scratch him, all this stuff. And the only dumb thing about their plan with this pincer maneuver is that they had planned it all in front of him. I think they forgot that he wasn't actually a cat, so obviously he heard the plan. And as soon as they get close, he like crawls under the desk in front of him, pops up, and just runs. Runs past my brother and escapes out into the hallway. So now Catboy, who's just biting people, is on the loose. Now the whole school has to be on alert because this cat boy who's been attacking everyone is on the loose. And so the teachers hop on their radio and give like an alert that a biter is on the run. And I love that this has happened enough times that they have a whole code word for it, you know? Like uh, some kid bites someone enough that there's a whole radio code. What's going on in schools where biting is so like prevalent that they need code words for it? Oh yeah, we got four biters on the loose right now. He goes home, he's like, honey, I had to deal with 10 biters today. It's literally like they're dealing with a zombie apocalypse. Either way, now everyone's alerted to the fact that there's a biter on the loose. And at that point, my brother looks around at everyone and is like, can I leave? And they say yes. They write him a little pass so he's not in trouble for being late to his next class. And he starts walking there. And uh, the way he has to walk to get to his next class, it just so happens he has to walk through the courtyard. And he's just thinking to himself that this was a really weird day. He wasn't expecting any of it. And as he's walking, he hears chaos and he looks up and like the courtyard is two storied. And on the second floor, he sees the cat boy still in a full sprint, just running down the like uh, walkway that kind of looked over the courtyard sprinting as fast as he can and probably like 15 20 feet behind him is a bunch of people like five teachers chasing him yelling at him to stop so Catboy had really managed to get himself this six star wanted level out here get himself into a high speed chase and i don't know if he expected them to just let him go but i feel like once you bite a teacher and start attacking them they have to get you in trouble bro like they can't let you go it's the same premise when people start a high speed chase after a bank robbery it's like they're gonna keep chasing you, man. You kind of robbed a bank. I don't think they're just gonna be cool with it. Either way, he's being chased by all of these people. Six-star wanted level. And uh, my brother watches them all sprint by and is thinking to himself, like, what, what is going on? So he decides to go to his next class, just forget about it. Thinking it might finally be over, he gets there. And about halfway through, there's a knock on the door. And one of the adults who had been in the class to help his teacher comes in and calls him and like pulls him out of class to talk to him. And so they asked if he got scratched. He says yes. He showed him the scratch marks. It had like gotten a lot less red and like inflamed. But it definitely was still there. Like you could tell he had been scratched. So the guy took a picture of it and they were kind of like, um, can you give us a statement? So he just kind of explained what happened. Not a super in-depth play-by-play, but just like, yeah, he scratched me. And this guy unprompted is like, yeah, well, he ended up biting four more people after that. Which brings his total bite count on the day to five. Like, if you bite five people in one day, you might just be a rabid animal. I'm not even sure if you still qualify to, like, be considered normal. That's a lot of people to try to go all zombie mode on. Like, what is going on where you just think biting people is the best way to handle these situations? I don't feel like it's gotta be the best way to handle things. Oh, all these people are mad at me? Just better start biting them all. 
Anyways, my brother didn't like ask for the information or anything, so he didn't really know what to say about it. So he just kind of looked at the guy and was like, oh, that's not very good, I guess. Because, yeah, I guess being bitten's not good, but my brother didn't really know what he wanted him to do about it. Like, yeah, he scratched me too. I wasn't very thrilled with it either, but uh, I guess it just is what it is, man. So the guy says he can go back to class, so my brother goes back to class, and he walks away. And uh, by the end of that class, in like the passing period and the beginning of his next class, basically everyone had found out about it. I mean, obviously it was going to be the talk of the school when someone's just like biting teachers going on high-speed chases, you know? Like, it's going to get talked about. And so everyone was like, dude, this is nuts. Why would he do it? Like, oh man, I wonder who it was, da 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 And my brother's just sitting there like, it was me. I'm the one who got scratched. Overall, the situation was just super weird. I, I really don't know what he was thinking. Obviously, this was not going to end well for Mr. Catboy. Like, oh, I'm just going to attack all these teachers. It'll be fine. No one will be mad. I, I don't think that's how it went down. In fact, he hasn't been back, so pretty sure he got expelled. I think they have to expel you. Like, if you bite five teachers in one day and start scratching people, like, they gotta get rid of you. I don't think you can stay in the class at that point. Anyways, as I said, it was weird. Uh, don't hiss at people, don't scratch them, and definitely don't bite them, alright? It's just kind of unhinged. What are you trying to do, get sized for a retainer running around biting everyone? Just don't do it, alright? It's just not a very swagged thing. For those of you that haven't seen the first two parts, basically I went to the park one day, there was this weird kid that smelled like sauerkraut who tried to hit me with this stick that he was poking dog poop with, and when I broke the stick that he was trying to poke me with, he freaked out and like launched into this multi-day revenge plot to try to make me pay for breaking his item. I don't know, it just kind of kept backfiring on him. But he was just this weird kid who really did not like me for some reason and was just like obsessed with making me pay. Even though I didn't really do a whole lot. And uh, after the second incident where me and him had gotten into that huge like plastic lightsaber fight at the park. I decided that I was going to just take a little break from going there. And on the other direction of my street there was like a park if you went out of my neighborhood to the left. But on the right if you kept going that way there was just this big desert lot. There's a bunch of houses there now, but at the time, it was like during the, the economic shutdown thing, 2008, 2009-ish. So it was going to be houses, but they just hadn't started building it. The company had gone out, so it was just these huge dirt lots that were perfectly flat. And all of the neighborhood kids had started building bike jumps over there. And I was always more of a skateboarder, but I had a bike. And uh, I had a few friends that were into the bike jumps. So instead of going and hanging out at the park every day, I started going over and hanging out at these bike jumps. And we would just take some shovels, build a ramp, jump the ramp, like pretty typical stuff. I don't know. I feel like most people have probably done something similar at some point. And usually everybody that would come over there and help us build ramps and whatnot was pretty cool. It was a different crowd than the people that would hang out at the park. But everyone was really, really nice and uh, I started getting more and more into it and spending more time there building ramps and whatnot. I didn't love jumping the bikes as much as I just loved building the ramp. I know that sounds dumb, but I would be like, ah, there's no way anyone could jump this, just build some stupid stuff and then they would do it. It was fun to watch. But one day somebody says that they're going to invite this guy and they say the name and I immediately recognize it as Sauerkraut Kid. I'm not going to say his name. But, you know, at this point, I knew him relatively well, considering every time I tried to go to the park, he would chase me around and challenge me to combat. Like, it's some weird 1800s Congress session, and he's challenging me to a duel. I love when people try to be like, oh, people these days have such differing opinions and can't get along. 
You know, back in the day, on the floor of the Senate, people could just challenge each other to a duel. They used to just beat each other with canes. I'm not saying everything's great right now, but, I mean, people definitely can tolerate opinions a little bit more than they used to when they would challenge each other to duels to the death for it. And if Sauerkraut Kid had his way, he would have definitely challenged me to a duel to the death, too. But I just was avoiding the guy, so when they said they were gonna invite him out, I kind of told him that, like, yeah, that guy's got issues with me for some reason, so I, I don't want any issues, so I might not come hang out that day. And they're like, nah, man, he'll be cool, he'll be cool, don't even worry about it. We talked to him about that, and he said that he's over it. Oh, he's over it. I, I don't know why the language they used bugged me so much. Keep in mind, this guy had been chasing me for days, trying to physically attack me because I broke a stick he was trying to hit me with that had dog poop on it. I'm glad that he got over it, that's awesome, but there was nothing for him to get over. He was the weirdo who like held onto this beef for weeks and weeks and weeks while I was just trying to do my thing. So I kind of tell him like, well, I'm glad he's over it, but I don't really like hanging out with the dude, so I'm just not going to come hang out tomorrow then. And they're like, no, come on, man, come on, don't be like that, just come hang out. And usually peer pressure in this situation, like, wouldn't work, but I wasn't necessarily afraid of Sauerkraut Kid as much as it was just annoying, so the more they talked to me and were like, nah, he won't do anything, the more I was like, alright, well, then whatever, yeah, I'll come. I just, like, won't really have to interact with the guy, it's not like I have to go out of my way to ask him how his day was, help him with his math homework. So the next day comes and I go and sure enough sauerkraut kid is there and he still smelled. I don't know if it was something in his body wash or something. The first time I met him and he smelled like sauerkraut, I thought, eh, just a weird day, you know, maybe he just like ate something off for dinner. But that was just truly his stench. I, I don't know if they went to like some weird store and got kraut body wash. I, I heard the Germans love sauerkraut deodorant. That's a joke, okay? Either way, he still smelt very sour, but I see him, and he looks at me and gives me just this creepy smile. And I don't know if it was like an attempt at a friendly smile or faking a friendly smile, but it just gave me a weird vibe. You know when someone smiles at you, but like their eyes look angry, but they're smiling, so it just kind of looks like someone about to turn to the dark side? That's the look he gives me, and so I just give him a head nod, I don't really smile back. And he's like, you know you still owe me, right? And I'm pretty confused, because I thought they said this was over it. So I look at him and I go, nah, I don't, but that's funny. Thinking, I don't know, maybe he's trying to make a really bad attempt at, like, a joke. And he says something about how, like, he knows that I haven't been going to the park because I want to avoid him. And so I say, yeah, because you're just always creepily following me around the park trying to fight me. And at that point, everybody else kind of is like, alright guys, relax, relax. And I just say that I'm gonna go home. And my friends are like, no, dude, don't go home, don't go home, come on, just, just relax a bit. And one of my friends, like, wanted to go talk over there. So I go over there to talk with my friend, and because it's like a bunch of people right there, I just leave my bike next to my friend's bike that I'm going to talk to, and we go talk. And as me and him are talking, he's like, bro, come on, like, you just gotta be the bigger man and just get over it. I'm nine, by the way. There's no being the bigger man. Like, obviously now, I don't think I would have reacted that way. But I was nine years old. There was no being the bigger man. I didn't want to be around the kid who kept trying to beat me up. And even now, if you attack me, I'm not ever going to want to hang out with you again. You attack me twice, I'm really not going to want to hang out with you again. But as we're talking, having this conversation, people start saying, Stop, stop, dude, what are you doing? And I turn around, and Sauerkraut Kid, that little turd, man, that evil secret agent sent to ruin my life, 
is on my bike. Keep in mind, he's a few years older than me, so it's way too small of a bike, and he's just taking off. And so I start being like, bro, he stole my bike, you stole my bike, and I run over there, and everybody is like, he just took it, he said he was gonna teach you a lesson, and now I'm pissed. So I start yelling at everybody there, like, you guys said that he wasn't gonna do this, like, this is so stupid, I can't believe you guys would be dumb enough to believe him. I, I was not a very happy camper, because my bike is gone, and I wasn't happy, because none of them chased him either. You guys know that you all have bikes, right? What, do you expect me on feet to chase down this dude on the bike? The least you could have done is it followed him. So I start asking everybody, like, all right, well, where does he live? Where does he live? And they don't want to tell me. And that's just annoying, because, like, I'm not asking where he lives to do anything insane. I'm asking where he lives to just get my bike back. I don't care where he lives, trust me. I'm not like, oh, I want to look it up and see what his zip code is. What school is he zoned for? I don't care. I just want my stuff. And so they start saying no, and I start getting mad at them, and I'm like, starting to uh, hurl some insults around. Nothing insane, just some light Xbox trash talk. Like, you guys need to tell me where his house is so I can get my bike back, or I'm gonna take your bike and throw it into traffic. Like, come on, bro. Like, you, you guys need to tell me where my bike is. So they finally tell me, and I just say, I'm gonna go get my bike. And they're like, you're gonna go alone? Yeah, man, what is he gonna do? Kidnap me? Like, uh, of course I'm gonna go get my bike back. And also, my thought was, Sauerkraut Kid might be a jerk, right? Like, Sauerkraut Kid might be stealing my bike trying to attack me. Something tells me, though, that Sauerkraut Kid's parents are probably not very well aware that he's playing Grand Theft Auto with bicycles out there. Maybe they are. Maybe this is all, like, part of their, uh, their family business. They just steal people's bikes and attack them, and then they sell them. Like, that's the entire gig. But I was going off the assumption that if I went to a sauerkraut kid's house and I told his mom that my bike was stolen, that I was going to get it back. And they're like, oh, you're so brave to go alone. Like, what if his parents are mad at you? And I just wasn't worried about it. And even if his parents were down with their kids stealing bikes for some reason, what, were they going to be mad at me because their kids stole my bike? Like, if they would have done that, then they're just stupid. <laughs> I don't even know what I could do in that situation. If someone starts yelling at you because their kid stole something from you, like, that's just clearly a personal problem. There's no amount of arguing with them that you can fix. But whatever, I go to his house, and uh, as I turn the street, it's like a cul-de-sac, and his house was at the end of the cul-de-sac. So as soon as I turn the corner, I can see into the garage, and I see Sauerkraut Kid in my bike, and he sees me, and he runs over and closes the garage door. Believe it or not, that didn't make me turn around, give up my bike, and say, Ah, well, guess it's his now. He closed the door. That's the rules. If someone steals something and then closes the door when you're trying to get it back, it's no longer yours. So, I know he's home. I know my bike's in the garage. So, I do the only logical thing. I walk up to the front door, and I just knock on it. And I hear Sauerkraut Kid on the other side telling, like, whatever parent is home not to answer the door and, like, don't answer it. It's probably just someone trying to sell some stuff. And obviously, the adult that was home was a little bit suspect of that. Because how often is your, like, a 13-year-old son telling you that, Oh, it's probably those dang window repairman again. They got a weird vibe. It's not like they ever pay attention to what was at the door. At least I didn't. Like, I don't know. I just didn't even go look through the peephole when the doorbell rang because I wasn't answering the door. I was a kid. So uh, the door opens, and it's like this sweet-looking old lady there. And I say, hi, excuse me. Um, I think that your grandson might have taken my bike. And she looks at me, and she looks back, and I see Sauerkraut Kid, and she says, my grandson took your bike? And I give him a chance. I say, yeah, I think it might have been an accident because our bikes look kind of similar, but he might have taken mine. 
And my thought with that is, bro, I'm talking to your grandma. I will tell her that you stole my bike. But if you just want to give it back and avoid all of this, it was it was an accident. I didn't want to get the dude in trouble. I wanted my bike back. And I know a lot of you would be like, well, he stole your bike. You should have gotten him a bunch of trouble. It's not like I never planned on getting him back for stealing my bike. I just knew I would have better odds of getting him back if he wasn't grounded forever. So whatever, I give him the chance to get out of trouble, and he doesn't take it. He says, I don't have his bike, I don't know what he's talking about, he's crazy. And I think the grandma could probably just see in my eyes and hear in my voice that I just, like, wasn't really making this up. I don't know how she knew I was telling the truth. Maybe it was because she knew her grandson was, was known for stealing bikes or something. But she says, okay, well, I'll meet you in the garage. So I say, okay, and I go over to the garage. The garage door starts opening, and I see Sauerkraut Kid trying to, like, block his grandma from coming out the garage door into the garage. Literally standing there, arms out, being like, don't go out there, don't go out there. And now she's even more curious. If you want to know how to make sure your parents investigate whatever is going on, I feel like a surefire way is to let them get a little curious and then beg them not to go look. The grandma's already curious about my bike, bro. At this point, you standing there and just being like, don't go, don't go. That would make me a lot more curious. Maybe other people's grandparents are different, but if I did that on my Oma back in the day, oh, you don't need to look into that. That would have been the first thing she did. So she comes out to the garage. She sees me standing there and she goes, well, which bike is yours? And I walk over to it and it's a very small bike. I've had the bike since I was probably like six I was nine now. I actually did end up getting a new bike, like, for my next birthday that was a little bit bigger. But it was a tiny bike. Very clearly not the size of her grandson's bike or what it should be. I don't know what size bike he has. I wasn't out there with, like, a tape measure. Wow, those are some nice 26-inch wheels you got there, pal. I was just trying to get my bike. So I think she could tell it was mine. And I say, yep, that's my bike. And she looks at her grandson and says, well, is it his bike? And now he wants to take the chance to, oh, it must have been an accident. So he says, oh, I must have just accidentally taken it. And his parents might have maybe let him get away with that. But I feel like grandmas just have a propensity for not taking bullcrap. And she says, there's no way that you accidentally took this bike because it's like three sizes too small for you. I don't even understand why he stole my bike. I understand the guy didn't like me. But out of everything he could steal from me, a bike way too small for him was just the dumbest thing. What are you going to do? Just keep it in your garage? That's just an insanely petty theft. You're not even going to like sell it or, or use it for anything. You just took my bike to let it sit there because it's too small for you to ride it. That, that is a hefty screw you, Mr. Sauerkraut Kid. I take that personally. But when his grandma calls him out, he starts stammering, Uh, 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 I can explain. And I feel like that's another thing you shouldn't say if you're trying to come up with a excuse or some type of reason, is I can explain. Because even movies have just clarified that the second someone says, I can explain, there's really not a great explanation for it. Usually at that point, they're just buying time while they try to come up with a good excuse that most likely doesn't exist. And so his grandma just gives him a stern look and says, you need to go to your room right now, young man. And even though he tried to block grandma from coming out the door, he does not argue with her when she says, go to your room, probably for the best. And he probably didn't have any other excuse. He could say, go to his room is his best choice at this point. Plead the Fifth Amendment. I feel like when you're a little kid in trouble and when you're in trouble as an adult are the same thing. Shut up and get your lawyer. And by lawyer, I mean, I don't know, like hire a stuffed animal to represent you with your parents or whatever. 
But as a kid, your parents and grandparents are basically the feds. And there's nothing good that you can say to them. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. So he goes up to his room, probably to just keep his mouth shut. And his grandma turns to me, super apologetic, and is like, Please take your bike, I'm so sorry. And I, I mean... It's not her fault, so I tell her, I'm like, it sucks, but I'm not mad at you about it. You didn't tell him to do it, at least I don't think so. And she says, yeah, I don't know what's gotten into him, he's just been going crazy recently, da-da-da-da-da, but I'm gonna tell his parents and, you know, they'll make him apologize. I don't really want an apology, I don't really care about an apology, I'm just glad I have my bike back, so I tell her, thank you so much, appreciate you helping me with the bike situation. You want to tell his parents, you don't, I don't care, do whatever you gotta do. So the next day comes and I go back to the bike jumps, thinking Sauerkraut Kid is not gonna show up there because, duh, everyone was already not thrilled with him after that, because keep in mind, they vouched for him, said it was gonna be cool, he shows up and steals my bike, no one was that happy with him. And we're building ramps and whatnot, everybody had apologized, they felt really bad about the situation, so we're just building ramps, and sure enough, Sauerkraut Kid comes pedaling up on his bike, and I don't know what it is, but something about the way he pedaled his bike just bugged me. That's super petty and specific, considering that, like, I don't know, you don't really see people ride a bike that whole much. But something about the way he did it just bugged me. And the way he's riding and pulls up, you can just tell he's embarrassed. There is something going on that's got him embarrassed, and that was weird because I had never seen him act that way before. Keep in mind, this is a kid that tried to smack me with a dog poop stick and then got mad at me about it. So he was pretty shameless. Like, nine times out of ten, making this guy feel any embarrassment was basically impossible. The self-awareness rating was just not there, man. Like, I I'm pretty sure this dude could block an ambulance with its sirens on and be like, why won't it get out of my way? Anyways, he walks up to me and the rest of the group and says, hey, I really want to apologize for stealing your bike, which is quite the opener, you know? It's not like, hey, I'm really sorry for uh, accidentally breaking your Nerf gun or like, hey man, I'm sorry for losing that thing you let me borrow. Stealing your bike is a, is a pretty big thing to do, especially when you're a little kid. Only because there's so much thought put into it, you know. You had to look at my bike, go, that's not my bike, I should take it. Yep, this is a good idea. Get on the bike, pick the bike up, start pedaling the bike, get all the way home. See me come around the corner, close the garage door, try to hide it from your grandma. Call me crazy, I've got a feeling you just weren't that sorry. And that's okay, you know, like, that's at the end of the day, that's your problem. We don't have to be friends, we're not cool anymore, you stole my stuff. But just the way he was apologizing, you could tell he 100% didn't mean it. And uh, it's just, you can't accidentally steal someone's bike. But whatever, I'm like, yeah, okay. I don't say it's okay, but just okay. And he had this backpack on, and he takes off his backpack and he starts opening it. And I'm confused on what he's doing, because he's just apologized. I don't know if he's about to, like, show me this jar of sauerkraut and give it to me as an apology, as a token of friendship. I'm not really 100% what is gonna go on. But ladies and gentlemen, it was better than anything I could have imagined. So I guess his grandma had told his parents that he had stolen my bike, and they're obviously not too thrilled about it. I'm not a parent, but I'm gonna venture out and say that if I had a kid and I found out that he was, like, stealing stuff from people, I would not be thrilled. I would be the opposite of thrilled. I would be what we consider pissed. But instead of like, I don't know, making him apologize, grounding him or whatever, in their mind, the ultimate symbol of an apology must have been a hand turkey. You know those things that you make in elementary school for Thanksgiving? 
It's a hand turkey, and it says, I'm really sorry. And it's not even close to Thanksgiving. I have no clue why he did this for me or what he thought this was going to do, but he gives this to me and says, this shows how sorry I am. And I just didn't get it, bro, because, like, I don't care about your crafts, man. Don't get it twisted. Your parents are the only people that are going to ever really love crafts you do. Your grandparents, your aunts, uncles, maybe. But if you, like, ever give someone a hand turkey as an apology gift, don't be surprised if they don't forgive you. You know what? We were going to be cool, sauerkraut kid, but this hand turkey, that, that just makes me uncool again. I'm kidding. I don't actually hate hand turkeys this much. It was just such a weird, like, I'm sorry for stealing your bike. Here's a hand turkey. That doesn't undo everything. I'm not now like, oh, yeah, man, it's cool. We can be besties. I still am not a giant fan. You still stole my bike, hand turkey or not. But he hands me this hand turkey and says, this shows how sorry I am. And I do what everyone else around does in that situation. And I start laughing. Imagine trying to take this seriously, dude. He rides up all solemn on his bike, looking like he's just got some serious message to tell us. Says he's sorry, pulls out his backpack and gives you a hand turkey that says sorry. Would you laugh? Probably. So we all start laughing, as, as anyone would. And he does not like that, and he starts being like, You know, I made that hand turkey as a symbol of my apology, but if you're gonna make fun of it, then I take it back. And I say, okay, that's fine. And I rip the hand turkey. Hey, you wanted it back. You take back your apology. Cool, bro. I don't want this thing anyways. Did you expect me to go home and put it on my fridge? Like, I don't know what you wanted me to do with it. But I rip his hand turkey and he's like, I spent so much time on that. I don't care how much time you spent on the hand turkey, bro. So I'm like, all right, sorry. I don't know what to tell you. And he just says that he was right to not like me and, you know, he doesn't apologize and he should have just stolen my bike and his only regret was getting caught. And everybody at that point is like, dude, you suck. Just go. So he gets on his bike and goes home, but I don't think that went the way he expected it to. I think his parents kind of did him dirty with that one. I'm not going to lie. Oh, no, just go give him a hand turkey. You stole their bike. They'll totally love it and understand. They kind of set him up for failure on that one. But that's why he still didn't like me. I mean, he stole my bike, obviously. But after that, he even didn't like me more because I ripped his hand turkey. And like I said, I've got a few more experiences with this kid that I will tell the story of if this video gets 7,500 likes and 2,000 comments. So be sure to do that. But this, who cares, right? But this guy started trying to, like, overwhelmingly push it on everybody, saying that everyone should be a furry. And one weird thing he was very adamant about was that every single classroom should have a litter box because, no, I'm not making this up, he did not like going to the bathroom because apparently it was something with, like, being a furry or whatever. So he just wanted the ability to go to the bathroom in a classroom in a litter box instead, which is just a very unhygienic dude. You can't just have human waste sitting in the corner. And on top of that, how would that any, like, work in a classroom? How would anyone focus? That's what I was going for there. Like, imagine you're just trying to do your math homework and some guy hops up, goes to the corner, and starts literally using the litter box like a bathroom. I don't think that would go down very well. And could you imagine the smell? What, are you going to be over there using the litter box? Hey, don't mind me, guys. Just get back to learning, all right? I'm just trying to use the bathroom. Like, good luck. No one's going to be able to focus. Whatever, though, they made this entire PowerPoint and presentation about how the school should allow people to bring litter boxes into classrooms and use them as a bathroom. 
I guess the school couldn't really stop you if you just felt like carrying around a litter box all day, but something about using it is what makes it really cross the line. Like, it would still be bizarre to want to carry a litter box around all day. But whatever, to each their own. The second you're like, hey, can I plop it in the corner and use it? It's like, no, absolutely not. So, whatever, the school didn't really care that they had this presentation and all these ideas. They were not gonna let someone bring in a litter box and use it. And this guy was not going to give up. In his mind, he was basically fighting for freedom, you know? This was his own little revolutionary war, and he kept trying to sneak it into school. And there's no way to stealthily, like, have a litter box. I, I don't even have a cat. I don't really even know what a litter box looks like. Oh my gosh, I'm having trouble speaking. Looks like, goodness gracious. But I don't even know what those things look like, but I'm assuming it's not something you can toss in your coat and just carry wherever you want. I'm gonna assume that it's a little box with sand in it, which does not sound easy to sneak around with. And obviously, every time he would try to, like, get one over on everybody and secretly have his litter box, the teachers would realize pretty quickly and be like, dude, you can't have the litter box here. Stop it. And he had done it so many times that this one teacher had no patience left at this point, and it was like a Friday, so he sees the litter box, and he's just not in the mood. And so he looks at the guy and says, how many times do we have to have this discussion? You can't have that litter box in here. You have to take it out of the classroom. And I'm not saying that that was the nicest way to go about it, but you gotta keep in mind, he's been trying to tell this kid not to poop in the corner in the sandbox for like the entire year so far, and every day he's still for some reason trying to bring in this litter box and go in the corner. You'd probably be annoyed too. But the furry, instead of replying in English or anything that makes sense, turns around and drops into what can only be described as a defensive position, ready for combat at a moment's notice, getting ready to deflect a punch if necessary. It was just so funny the way they like dropped into the stance, almost like, like a, a big jungle cat about to be on the prounce. Prounce even a word? Pounce? I, I don't even know, bro. English is not working with me today for some reason. Press the like button if you're enjoying my struggle. Either way, he decides to insult the teacher and says, Just let me put my bathroom in here, you stupid old man loser. Which has to be the weakest insult of all time. Like, if you're gonna come and bring the heat and start flaming people, then you better come with some solid insults. Stupid old man loser is not what I would call a very good insult, you know? It's something that might have been hip and cool in the 1950s, but we're a little past that now. And so the lame insult doesn't do much to the teacher. It doesn't make him be like, oh, you're right, go poop in the corner. No, his class is not a bathroom. That's literally what he says to the guy. And the furry's response is to be like, well, it should be because this class is so crappy. You suck as a teacher. Which is almost so funny at attempting to be insulting that you can't even get mad. Like, yeah, of course, he's attempting to call this guy a horrible teacher. But imagine someone saying they should be allowed to poop in the corner because your class is so crappy, bro. Like, how do you take this seriously? So the teacher, of course, laughs because how could you not at that situation? But that just makes him angrier, and he's like, stop laughing at me! And in order to get people to stop laughing at him, in his mind goes, oh, this'll really get him intimidated, and starts just growling at them. And that, of course, makes the teacher and now the other students laugh even harder, because imagine someone holding a litter box that they're asking to use, being like, "Er, stay away from me, Urgh, and like showing their teeth like they're gonna bite you, like some type of angry, rabid squirrel. 
but they keep yelling that like it's not funny this is why you have an ugly wife i'm not really sure how those are connected but the teacher kind of stops laughing at that and says all right that's too far there's no reason to talk about my wife like that which, if you're a teacher, is probably the worst approach. If for some reason there's some teachers watching this, you never tell the students that are trying to roast you that they struck a nerve. Like, hey man, don't talk about that. That hurt my feelings. They're already flaming you. You really think they're going to draw the line and be like, you're right, you said that might upset you, so I will not cross that line. No, they're going to use it even more. And so, of course, the furry, realizing that this is something that this guy doesn't want to hear, just keeps going in on him, being like, your wife is worse than a litter box. I'm not even sure what that means, but the teacher didn't really want to listen to it anymore. So he goes, go ahead and take your litter box up to the principal's office and explain how you feel. And all of a sudden, his entire demeanor changes. He's like, no, not the principal's office. Don't make me go up there. And the teacher can't help but be curious and be like, why don't you want to go to the principal's office if I'm the worst? Because apparently, this is not the only class that he gets in trouble for trying to sneak the litter box into. And every time he gets sent to the principal's office, they confiscate it and don't give it back till his parents come in. And his mom said she was not going to come get his litter box again because she thought it was dumb. So he's like, no, don't send it. They won't give my litter box back. And he's like, well, you keep insulting my wife, so I don't really care. You just have to go. I also love that there might be a collection of litter boxes up in the principal's office, you know? They're like, oh, I wish his parents would come pick these up. A few of them are used. They're just sitting there up in the office. And that can't smell very good, a litter box collection. Either way, he realizes that there's not going to be an easy way for him to escape going to the principal's office. So he jumps up. Because he had kind of gone down into like that kneeling defensive position. Grabs the litter box and starts running to the door and goes, One day I will pee in this class. And then opens the door and runs out. Which, hey, I'm all for setting a goal. All for having something to like work towards and strive towards. But peeing in a class is a super weird goal, especially in a litter box. Like that's your life's mission, you know. It's not I'm going to become a lawyer and help blah, blah, blah. Or like, you know, I'm going to become the president. You're just like, I'm going to pee in the litter box. Like that's really it. That's all you want in life. I mean, good for you. It's obtainable, I guess. I just don't really get it. But he runs out into the hallway, almost like a Arkham Asylum villain, just running out to be crazy somewhere else. And the teacher just doesn't really want to chase him down or anything. And is like, all right, guys, let's get back to learning. And after that, I don't know where he went with his litter box, but he didn't bring it to class anymore. I feel like what probably happened is he was running around with it. Another teacher saw him and was like, what are you doing? It got confiscated and his parents were like, we're not going to get your litter box, dude. You got to knock it off. But I don't know. I just thought that was funny. I, I don't know if this is like common these days, but are people really asking to put in litter boxes places so they can use the bathroom? That's kind of crazy, bro. I don't want to watch someone poop. Can, can we just be in agreement on that? All right, guys, on screen now is a gift card. For those of you that don't know, I give one of these away in every video as a way to say thank you to you guys for subscribing and turning on those notifications. So if you haven't already, subscribe, turn on the noties. If you already got them on, then you're an absolute legend. And let's get to the next story time. All right, so this story time was sent in to me by a guy named Sam, and Sam worked at a burrito place. You might have heard of it. It's like one of the burrito places, Chipotle, and instead of hating it, he says it really wasn't that bad. Most of the time, the time went by pretty quickly. Most of the customers were pretty chill. And one day, this guy comes in, and everything's going normal. Literally, nothing stand out about it. Like, he would have just forgotten it like any other customer, except halfway through, he hears a meow. 
And because he works in, like, a food place, he's not used to hearing animal noises. So he looks up and kind of starts scanning around to be like, huh, where did that come from? That was kind of weird. And it was a very realistic meow. Like, he genuinely thought it was a cat. And he has some at home. So it's not like he doesn't know what it sounds like. And the guy who had been really nice to him up to this point in normal when he like scans over and makes eye contact with him shows his teeth to Sam and hisses at him like a <laughs> literally like an angry cat or something. And he's kind of taken aback. So he leans back the way you do when you're surprised and goes, uh, did I do something wrong? I don't know, I would have assumed I did something, like, insanely wrong, too, if somebody just started hissing at me, like a snake that's about to strike. And the guy puts his hand down, almost like an anime power pose, and is like, you should never look a cat in the eyes. Alright, well, I didn't realize that I was dealing with a feline. I thought you were a human ordering a burrito. May I say, this is a very impressive human costume. You look just like a human. And so him not wanting to get in an argument with this dude that's clearly not crazy, but not in his right state of mind. Probably crazy, let's be honest. He's literally hissing at people and saying he's a cat. He tries to just move on and like push the conversation back to what's important, which is the food in front of him and says, uh, do you want queso? Just really trying to get back to it. Not gonna apologize because it was accidental eye contact. He didn't think the guy was a cat. But the furry just does not want to drop it. He is bent on still talking about what just happens. And Sam wants nothing more than to just finish this order and go their separate ways. Like, he does not want to be dealing with this any longer than he absolutely has to. But the furry just starts asking him, How dare you look me in the eyes? Why would you do that? Like, what is wrong with you? Why? Why would you do that? And he's just not responding, but he keeps asking. And so finally, Sam stops making his food looks up at him and says, can I please just make you your burrito? Like literally says that, which is probably not what they're trained to do in these situations, but the guy is just going off about something he doesn't understand. He didn't mean to be rude. Just let him make you this burrito and you guys can go your separate ways and everybody wins. Like he's trying to stay silent and avoid these questions for a reason. He does not want to answer them. So just let me make the food. But the furry is not okay with that and goes, no, and hisses again. And so Sam, not knowing what to do, but tired of being hissed at and threatened, just turns around and walks away. Him and his manager were like pretty cool, so he knew he wasn't going to get in a ton of trouble, especially if he explained it. But as he's halfway to the back door, he feels something kind of slap into his back like this wet hot just disgusting thing and it kind of smelled like the dude's breath like the the furry guy's breath was not very good but whatever he feels something smack into his back and he turns around and he sees like the half-finished burrito and he feels you know like a burrito residue like the juices and whatnot on his back and he realizes that Mr. Furry Guy had reached over the counter because he was pissed off that Sam was walking away and thrown the burrito at him to really teach him a lesson. Yeah, because that's for sure going to make him respect not looking you in the eyes, throwing a burrito at him. If anything, I feel like I would go out of my way to look you in the eyes after you throw a burrito at me just if I knew it would bug you. So whatever, he really can't believe that the guy had thrown his burrito at him. So he looks at him and says, dude, what is wrong with you? And him, thinking he's about to get in trouble, starts to run to the door like he just committed armed robbery or something. 
And this location happened to be like an older building that had been retrofitted to have the store in it. And so most places you like have the doors that you push out to leave. But because this building was just already there, it happened to have uh, pull doors out. So he is running to the door thinking that he's about to make the escape of a lifetime, not really thinking about the fact this is an old building. And when he goes to push the door open to run out, the door doesn't open and he just smacks into it and falls down. And he's going pretty quick. He was trying to make a getaway. So it's like a freight train just smacking into a wall. Like that's the amount of force that it goes in. And he falls over and he does not meow in pain. I guess that is not his natural reaction to that. But everybody starts laughing because like, how could you not laugh at that? And he gets up and hisses at the restaurant, just a very general hiss, and then opens the door and leaves. And then he looks down and sees this burrito on the ground. And that's what really made him most sad is the fact that a burrito had to get wasted in all of this. I don't really get his play there. All right, I'm going to throw this burrito at the worker and somehow it's going to make them give me food and not kick me out. Also, if you're going to try to make an escape, the least you could do is know how the door opens, bro. Like adding insult to injury. It's already embarrassing that you threw a burrito and are making an escape. But extra insult to injury for smacking into the door and making everyone in the restaurant aware that you're an idiot trying to run out without paying for a burrito and then tossing it at the worker. Some people I feel like are just rolling around looking for trouble. Like, I feel like this guy was looking for a fight. He walked into that Chipotle. I'm getting in a fight with the worker today. It's gonna happen. I've gotta have some content to talk about on my TikTok. Either way, glad uh, glad Sam survived the burrito hit soldier. You're an absolute legend. Good, good job out there. All right, before we get into the last story of the day, if you're enjoying them so far, be sure to press the like button, but let's go. So this happened to a friend of mine who uh, I'm not going to use his real name for the story. We'll call him Logan. And he was out walking his dog and he has a golden retriever. And it's a very cute dog, a very sweet dog, a very nice dog. And this guy comes up to pet the dog. Man, can I say dog anymore? Which uh, wasn't crazy uncommon. Like I said, it was a pretty cute puppy. So the guy starts petting the dog and talking to it. And obviously, it's kind of weird to talk to a stranger's dog, but people have that way of talking to dogs. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Like, oh, cute puppy, like the the dog voice thing. The only problem was this guy starts talking to the dog a, a little too seriously, like a little too much like a human, you know, kind of waiting for it to talk back and asking it serious questions and acting like it's replying. And so Logan is standing there kind of getting weirded out because uh, he's not really sure why this guy is sitting there acting like he's having a 60 minutes interview with a dog that's not responding at all. And so finally, the guy looks up at him. Keep in mind, my friend Logan owns the dog and is like, hey, your dog needs to come with me. And my friend laughs thinking he's joking, but then he realizes that this guy's not laughing. He's being serious and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to give you my dog. And the guy starts arguing with him, saying that they were just talking, and what they were talking about was that this dog's just really not happy with him as an owner, and it wants to come with him, so they can just make this easy and give him the dog now, and there won't be any problems. And my friend is like, yeah, well, that's not gonna happen. And he keeps walking away, but he keeps looking over his shoulder, and the guy's, like, following him. And now he's getting really uncomfortable because the guy had said either give me the dog or we're not going to have problems. And my friend doesn't want problems, but my friend's also not a very small guy. So he's not the type of person that you would probably want problems with either. But if this guy's crazy enough to think he's out here really doing like Dr. Doolittle things, then who knows what he's capable of. 
And so as he keeps getting followed, my friend finally decides to turn around and is like, you need to stop following me or we're going to have a problem. And the guy screams out, I'm not following you. I'm just trying to set your dog free. Why won't you listen to what it's saying? Can't you hear it? And the dog is just not making any noise. Like, it's not whimpering. It's not making noises. If anything, it's starting to get freaked out by the stranger that's coming over and screaming at it. And it's like, let's go to the guy it's lived with its entire life. I don't know. I feel like dogs prefer people that have raised them and been around them forever versus absolute strangers. But the guy keeps going off about how he needs to set his dog free. And my friend says, you really need to leave me alone. Except this time when he says it, it might have been with a little bit of a... You need to leave me alone, otherwise I'm gonna make you leave me alone type of vibe to it. And so this crazy guy who's been talking to the dog realizes that my friend's not messing around and if he wants to keep all his teeth, he should probably move on. So he says, fine, I'm gonna move on, but I just want you to know that I'm not happy about it, which, believe it or not, my friend didn't care about. He doesn't owe it to this stranger for, to make him happy with every decision. I'm not happy with your choices. Well, they're not your choices, so I can sleep pretty fine at night knowing that, uh, you know, I have nothing to do with that. Plus, what do you expect him to do? Oh, goodness gracious, you're not happy with me? Here, take my dog. But the guy walked away, and after that, my friend just didn't really feel like staying there. He felt pretty sketched out. So he uh, took his dog, went back to the car, and they got out of there. And so he started, like, looking up that park, and a bunch of other people had apparently had a run-in with the guy who claimed to be able to talk to their dog and said that he needed to take it home. So whatever. Apparently somewhere out there is just some dog sidekick trying to convince people to hand over their pet for some reason. I would never give anyone my dog, bro. Like if that ever works, then the person you scammed is just an idiot. Anyways, guys, I think that's going to do it for the video. Hopefully you enjoyed. If you did, I'd really appreciate y'all taking a second to press the like button. Let me know what you thought in the comments section down below. And of course, subscribe if you're new. Turn on those notifications. I do post these in podcast form on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you watch your podcast. Just look up Scrubs. You should be able to find it. But I have a link to the Spotify down below. And on top of that, if you really want to help me out, you can check out the Karen Christmas sweater. I'll put the link in the pinned comment down below. But it's the perfect gift for the Christmas season. Anyways, guys, last thing I'm going to plug, 12 Days of Scrubs is quickly approaching, so get ready for that. And uh, yeah, on that note, that'll really do it. Don't get anyone pregnant. If you do, make sure they're hot, and hopefully I'll see each and every single one of you guys next time. I'm out. Peace.